Ladies and gentlemen, we have long held conversations here in the Timcast IRL podcast about wokeness, critical theory, critical race theory, gender ideology, and its negative impacts for the most part on our society. It is the one of the principal factors in the culture war, which is tearing the United States apart, in my opinion. And now France has basically come out saying that we've got Emmanuel Macron, president of France, basically saying that these ideas are dangerous. But now intellectuals and politicians in France are France are basically saying the idea the ideology coming out of American universities, this this critical theory, this far left wokeness is destroying French identity and destroying the country. And this is coming from people viewed as being on the left. And I got to say, they're not wrong. We're looking at the big story of the day, impeachment, which is completely meaningless, but it's tribalism. This tribalism is a key element of what's splitting apart, not just the United States, but other countries. Impeachment is meaningless. We we know it's not going to happen. We know that 47 Republicans already said no. Yes, they're going to be moving forward, but it seems to be a big waste of time to try and impeach a president who's well, a former president. He's not even in office anymore. So we're not even going to get into it. It just seems like there's no reason to. The bigger issue, in my in my opinion, is the root cause of all this. And as everybody basically knows, well, not everybody, but politics is downstream from culture. What starts in the cultural arena eventually moves into the political spaces. So now we're finally seeing some people in government, notably in France, waking up to the problems being caused by this critical theory. Unfortunately, we had Trump who didn't necessarily realize it, but at least took action against it. Now France is kind of waking up to this. And there are a few other stories in the periphery of this. We have this this ridiculous story of this, uh, I think it's an LA Times columnist complaining that her Trump supporting neighbors who politely shoveled her driveway were like Nazis. And what should she do? Oh no, this huge problem. We have some random dude, and this one really triggered Luke, going on Twitter and claiming that Cracker Barrel was racist and making up some insane story. This is so ridiculous. This, 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 whatever is going on in this far left wokeness stuff that we've long talked about, we can see it's just, it's still happening. It's getting worse. Maybe with France stepping up and actually saying something about it, maybe, maybe there can be some changes made. I got to admit, I'm not entirely confident. So we'll get, we'll get into all this. We'll talk about some of the other news that's going on today. We are being joined today by, in, in this space, especially one of the most important individuals. We have Siraj Hajmi, who is a journalist with the Washington Examiner, but Siraj has the list. It is a list of people who should have their phones taken away for what bad tweets, right? Usually bad, cringeworthy. Uh, I I try to keep the food takes out of it because there are a lot of bad food takes out <laughs> food there. Food takes, <laughs> but mostly bad tweets and cringeworthy tweets for sure. So, but and then this is cross spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. If you have right. a dumb tweet, you get put on the list. Yeah, you know, it, it, it actually I did a all. A, on Super Bowl Sunday, I released an all-decade list. So from 2011 to 2020, I capped it at 10 because if I did more than 10, I'd kill myself. But I found that the number one person above all everyone else was Anthony Weiner, deserving to have his phone taken the most. Because if you remember, <laughs> oh, yes. in May 2011, oh, goodness. he sent a picture <laughs> yeah. of his junk to one of his followers, <laughs> resulting yes. in him resigning from Congress. A minor. For, yeah, and yes. then and then and then yeah, that that was later. That was 2016. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that wow. was later. Did it more than once. That yeah, so it was later. Uh, His name was, is Wiener Tim. Yeah, so yeah, obviously oh, no. it's so on the nose. Uh, and what makes it worse, obviously, is that when he was found to have been sexting a minor, a 15 year old girl, they opened up a criminal investigation on him, on him. That's when the FBI seized his laptop. That's when on the laptop they found. 
Hillary Clinton's emails. <laughs> and that's yeah. when 11 days prior to the 2016 presidential election, James Comey sent a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee saying he's reopening the in... investigation 11 days before yeah. the presidential election 2016. <laughs> as we all know what happened. And I'm not going to say that that alone is why Hillary Clinton lost. <laughs> Butterfly but effect. it didn't help her. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was I, number one. Number two, I put World Health Organization. Good, good. Uh, just for the tweet last year about saying that oh, uh, COVID gosh. was not uh, contracted oh, from yeah, human yeah. to human or it, it can be transmitted. Air transmission. Yeah. Um, and then third, and I'll just cap it at three, was uh, former Pittsburgh Steelers uh, running back Rashard Mendenhall who after the Navy SEAL Team 6 raid that killed Osama bin Laden uh, basically tweeted out how how could so many people be celebrating one man's death? Like there's got to be another side to this story. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Conspiracy theories. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, you mentioned too that uh, uh, you've had Trump on the list at some point. Uh, I've but, had him on the list a lot. I would say the a person I've had on the list the most, though, is Washington Post blogger Jennifer Rubin. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say about Trump, though, they took his phone away. They did. They did. So, uh, you know, once once they actually suspend the Twitter account, they retire from the list because the list works. He's free. Yeah. All right, cool, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this stuff. We also got Luke. He's hanging out. You know, I'm making my own list, Tim, right now as we're speaking. Yeah. I heard Congress is impeaching presidents for uh, violating the Constitution. I have a long list of presidents <laughs> that I want to give to Congress yeah. specifically about that. Well, well, hold on. In terms of, uh, I, I saw one person tweet, we should remove these people who violated their oath to the Constitution. Uh, we should remove people who voted to uh, support Trump's objection by remove, uh, you know, uh, uh, let me clarify. They said the people who voted to support Donald Trump and his objection to steal the election violated their oath to the Constitution and should be expelled. And I was like, okay, I think we have a list of what, like 430 names that, mm-hmm. that fall into the violating the oath of the Constitution. So I'm game. If they're like, we're going to expel for this reason, let's, let's, let's roll. I got a big list. I'm optimistic. A lot of presidents violated the Constitution. But anyway, uh, today I also <laughs> launched a, a t-shirt that I'm very excited about. It's of Bill Hicks. So uh, every, I have to say this. Stop saying it's the Alex Jones t-shirt. It's not. It's, it's the Bill Hicks t-shirt. And you can get that shirt and the shirt that I'm wearing right now on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And and because you do, I'm here, and thank you very much for having me. We got Ian chilling. What up, everybody? I'm just going to give a little little pre-warning. This isn't my wheelhouse this episode, so I'm going to try to keep my... Um, Yesterday, you were on a roll. I was on <laughs> fire. <laughs> bring up fusion, and I'm all in. So I'm Electromagnetic gonna, vibrations. I'm going to try to smooth this one through. Although I thought it was interesting what you were saying about the French kind of calling out this this wokeness, because Americans have this this... You know, this tendency towards Puritanism, we always have. And it's almost like this is like modern day Puritanism. Don't say those mean words about me. Ugh. And the French were like the reason we were able to win the revolution. It's this like European liberalism, like real liberalism. And they were literally the Jacobins. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was right before. Yeah. Before, that was the French uh, Revolution. The revolutionaries took hold, but it was yeah. So if anybody is it was on Louis the left, the 14th, he yeah. bankrupted the country of France to basically to fund the Americans to beat the British. Right. Right. Well then. Well, we also got Sour Patch Lids pressing all the buttons. Yep, I am over here in the corner, and I am also intrigued by France's role in this because a lot of these bad ideas, from my understanding, came from there. Yes, and we're going to get into these stories. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com, become yes. a member. We have set up this website with members-only content. We are expanding the site. Expect there to be way more stuff. We're going to do guest blogs from other people. We're going to start a vlog. We're going to actually launch more websites, but for the time being, we've set this up. You can become a member and get access to, access to exclusive segments and episodes only available to our members. And this is basically because the purge is real. 
They've been banning a lot of people. They've recently been, they've been banning progressives. So now it's coming from the left. We'll see how things go. But they may at some point come and ban this channel because, look, we're, we're fairly anti-establishment. They can't have that. They'd much prefer us to be falling in line with Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. We don't do that. So in the event we do get banned, you, you can find us at TimCast.com and your membership helps support the show and make sure that we can keep growing and functioning, bring on more people, do more content. So it is greatly appreciated. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, uh, share the podcast with your friends if you really do like it. Let's check out this story. This is amazingly from the New York Times. Will American ideas tear France apart? Some of its leaders think so. Politicians and prominent intellectuals say social theories from the U.S. on race, gender, and post-colonialism are a threat to French identity and the French Republic. Now, that is amazing. They say high-profile intellectuals and journalists are warning that progressive American ideas, specifically on race, gender, post-colonialism, are undermining their society. There's a battle to wage against an intellectual matrix from American universities, warned Mr. Macron's education minister. Emboldened by these comments, prominent intellectuals have banded together against what they regard as contamination by the out-of-control woke leftism of American campuses and attendant cancel culture. Of all of the countries in Europe that we would point to, France is particularly left. Not the, like everyone likes to point to Scandinavia, but come on. The French Revolution, the leftists, the socialists, the Jacobins. I'm not saying that they're the furthest left, but you know, they're one of the examples people cite, especially considering Jacobin magazine is a socialist magazine. And they're stepping up and saying, nah, it's all this stuff, which is good. Cause in my opinion, the wokeness on the left is infecting left ideas and turning it into a weird dogmatic cult ideology that makes no sense. And I saw the best tweet to explain it. You guys, I want, I, want to, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I saw a really wonderful tweet breaking down like gender ideology. They said sexism is when you say when, when someone says that women should be, you know, they believe doing the dishes, you know, not men. Feminism is when the woman comes out and says both men and women can be doing the dishes. And gender ideology says anybody who does the dishes is a woman. You get it? Like that's that's pretty like I saw that and I was like, that's that's actually a good example of like what's happening because you look at actual traditional feminism and it's like women and men can wear whatever they want. Now in the modern era of this critical theory, it's whoever wears feminine clothes is a woman and whoever wears masculine clothes is a man, which is not, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting. And, and just cause I'm a practicing Muslim and this kind of this story in France, it impacts me in a way because of obviously the, the, the struggles that the French people have had with sort of this rising threat of Islamic terrorism in the last decade. Um, but with respect to your point about, you know, whoever wears women's clothes and men's clothes, like I've read obviously in, in like religious in, in Islamic scripture that like a sign of the end of times is like when you cannot tell the difference between men and women. Is that really in there? Yeah. It's, wow. it's kind of scary in a way. Uh, again, this is like, this is religious stuff. If you are, if you subscribe to the Islamic faith, you probably know what I'm talking about. But, you know, religion obviously isn't for everyone. Uh, and it's all based on faith. Um, I mean, I do believe in a God. I do believe that there is a life after this one, but I'm not going to be dogmatic and just preach to you what is right and what is wrong. But with respect to this, uh, st- about the, this sort of, you mentioned the word contagion. That is uh, obviously very fascinating because for the longest time, at least for the last like century, 
the Red Scare has been considered long held in Europe as like an international contagion, this threat of communism that is going to jump from one country to the next. And for it to kind of be turned on its head and say that that's coming from the United States based on how woke everyone has become, uh, it's pretty stunning, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Daily Mail had an interesting blurb about this that I think describes everything that we're talking about. And they said, quote, they are arguing that American ideas on race, gender, post-colonialism, especially those coming from U.S. universities, are undermining French society and are an attack on French heritage. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. And of course, a lot of people would agree, but a lot of people are even scared to agree to that because of our current political climate. And to have France, of all countries, call it out is extremely interesting, <laughs> especially with individuals like Emmanuel Macron, a former Rothschild banker who was deemed the savior of Europe. He was deemed as this superstar. The mainstream media loved him. We were there. Were you there with me when we were there for Emmanuel Macron's uh, kind of celebration when, when he won, he, when, when he yeah, won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the That's streets hilarious. were jam-packed everywhere everyone loved him then he came in and then he started doing austerity measures and then he started <laughs> cutting social services yeah. are you sure and though, then, it and was then people be- were freaked out and then i covered so many riots in france if anyone knows how to protest it is the french people they got crazy they got intense and we have seen levels of violence with the yellow vests that we haven't seen before in in decades with the civil unrest unfolded because of Emmanuel Macron. So to see him now say these kind of things that that are against the establishment is interesting. But also, according to the New York Times, he's only doing this because he's trying to court the right during the next election. But so it's that's not the New York Times. What the New York Times is wokeness you know, is 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 only weirdly left wing. It's not economic. Well, it's promoted by the establishment. Right, it's promoted right, right. by the mainstream media. The same mainstream media that kind of boast, boasted him up and made him as popular as he is. That's the, that's, that's the contradicting point here that I wanted to point out. There are, there are a lot of leftists who are anti-woke. There's just not enough willing to speak out and call it out. But there was a uh, uh, shout out to Rania Kalik, who's an anti-war progressive, who wrote about uh, or made it, she made a video. It was really funny. It probably really offensive to these people called woke washing. Where it's like you get the military industrial complex and it's like, good news, everybody. The CEOs of all the biggest defense contractors are women. We've won. It's like, no, they're blowing up kids. It's okay. It is a woman of color doing it. Like if that is the, you know, the, the measure of success, we got serious problems. I was going to say, Luke, uh, it, with people celebrating in the streets when Macron won. And it suddenly dawned on me that the 2017 French election has so many parallels to the 2020 election just because the candidates involved. I mean, are you sure? Yeah, Yeah, I was just going to ask. I mean, like, were people celebrating the streets because it was Marine Le Pen who wasn't elected? Mm -hmm. Because that's what it sounds like. And you you get someone who's kind of as milquetoast as, you know, between Biden and Macron. Yeah. And I think I think there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, I expected Biden to suck. I didn't expect him to buy. I did not expect Biden to be this terrible this quickly. Well, if you look at the way he was highlighted, I mean, there was a lot of controversies surrounding his banker past, and that was kind of shrugged underneath the rug. And mm-hmm. and when you were really seeing him, he was seen as an all-star. He was literally praised as the, as the man who's going to save Europe. And people were so angry at him and so disappointed. There was literal chemical agents and evacuation plans made for the Paris capital for government officials because of how serious the protests got. I can't tell you the level of intensity. I mean, I, I don't even 
don't, you know, for I got PTSD from, from what I saw wow. at, at the Paris protests, and I don't even want to talk about all the all the gory details. But some of the most intense street fighting I have ever seen in my life happened because of this outrage against Macron. A lot of people are angry with him, so this could be a larger political ploy. Well, I hope not. I don't trust Macron, but he does bring up good points let, here. Let, let, let's be real. Macron is saying this. People on the left don't view Macron as left wing. You know, he's a he's a bankster. He's a he's far right. He's a nationalist. All of those things. So they viewed, you know, him. It's you know, I guess what the problem is left. It's similar here with Joe Biden. They're like, oh, Joe Biden's bad, but Trump is worse. They're like, Joe Biden's actually a Republican, but Trump is a fascist. <laughs> and it's like, OK, but, you know, they, they view Macron similarly. Marine Le Pen was a fascist and, you know, Emmanuel Macron is just far right. So they're like, it's better, I guess, but they'll still protest it. Yeah, I don't know how they I mean, I know the French elections are like almost like a jungle primary, like in California, they basically get the top two vote getters and then they, you know, have that runoff. I, that's the thing is like they, the, the Overton window in just the global political s- spectrum has shifted so far to the left, yet everybody keeps backlashing against it and voting people who are just so far to the right of that. I mean, the, I mean, Joe Biden, I've, I, you know, from like the Charlie Kirks of the world, the Trump campaign saying that like Joe Biden is actually a Trojan horse for, horse for socialism. The guy has always been a corporatist. Like he's right. only put big Wall Street, K Street people into his administration. To be fair, that is corporate socialism at the very least. You know, the, yeah. the big companies get their bailouts. Right. They, they get their money printed for them and then everyone else gets the crumbs. <laughs> I'm look when I hear the left complain about that stuff. I'm like, you're correct. I agree. I think socialism, socialism, socialism is bad. You're mad they're giving it to the corporations. I'm mad about it in general, but also that they're giving it to the corporations. Yeah. And I don't want socialism, but I think we can agree when they they print money and just give it to you know transfer the wealth from the people to the top you know political elites and establishment elites. That's messed up. Yeah, I mean, just look at these PPP loans. Uh, you know, I love Tom Brady. I grew up in New England. I'm a huge New England Patriots fan. And Tom Brady is a god amongst men. Why the hell is he, his company, TB12, getting PPP loans? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm fine with companies getting access to money to pay their employees. Just because a company's big doesn't mean they, they, probably, they probably still have employees to pay. The problem is that people can't spend money outside of, for the most part, big box stores and Amazon. Right. And so that's funneling all of this stimulus and PPP money back into the hands of major corporations where they can then stockpile it. If you think that's the problem, wait until you find out about the military industrial complex <laughs> and corporate Actually, welfare. That I, will tell you this. I will tell you this. The, the, one, the reason why I ever became involved, not involved, but ever got engaged in politics was because of the military industrial complex. Complex, particularly the invasion of the Iraq War. I got. I got. I got to tell this funny. Start of the Iraq War. I got to tell this funny joke I just heard. Luke, you have to ask me a question. You have to ask me what's the most common French phrase. What's the most common French phrase? I give up. That's it. Get it? Uh, it's funny, right? Get it? I give up. Uh, Are we allowed to make jokes like that on YouTube? I wouldn't be surprised if we get banned for that. You don't know what it is. It was. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. World War One reference. No, World War Two reference. reference. <laughs> I was. It was in the movie The Men of Sarah Goats. They get into a vehicle with like some Russian guys, and he's complaining about the French, and he looks over to his friend, and he's like, "Hey, what's the most common French phrase?" And he leans over, "I give up," and they all start laughing. <laughs> I so give good. up. Uh, French surrender jokes never get old, right? But to add to the point that you were saying, uh, you made a very good point, especially with this woke culture, because, you know, the, the guy who created mass incarceration and a cop don't really say you're woke. 
don't really yeah. kind of support, you know, they, they say they support Black Lives Matter, but that's what happens culturally. It's used to divide and conquer us. And then the big institutional powers push in their kind of puppet establishment candidates. They come in and then they rule just like they ruled before with people thinking that something's going to change when it's Joe, not. Joe Biden is literally the institutional racism they complain about. Yes. I mean, <laughs> Black Lives Matter endorses the guy. And then, you know, 40 days after he gets elected or not uh, after he gets elected, they're like, we still haven't heard from Joe just, Biden. He's not I'm talking. I'm just amazed us. that like Joe Biden co-sponsored the 1994 crime bill <laughs> and Hillary Clinton gets more flack for it for saying the word super predator yeah. to this day. I just don't understand it. Because Joe Biden is like fumbly bumbly Joe, you know? No, I mean, I get it. Like the, the maybe my favorite ever Joe Biden moment was when he was vice president and the onion ran the diamond Joe Biden series on him, just made him look like he was a loose cannon. You know, he had the, <laughs> this is the big effing deal, all that, all that stuff. It was funny. I feel like people just like to gloss over that stuff, but you also, Luke, you bring, you bring up a interesting point about, so like whole, the, the adoption of black lives matter. Um, it's just amazing how so many of these global corporations and they're global corporations yeah. no longer it's no longer such a thing as corporate America because these countries have basically fled the fled the United States and they go to ch the countries like China they go to Southeast Asia for basically tax shelters when it comes to things like black lives matter and racial equity or what have you they rather flock to the Chinese communist party and get that sweet, sweet revenue. Yeah. Like through Nike, through Disney, say that they support like equal justice for all. And then on the other side of the, the Pacific, you have the Chinese Communist Party locking up a million plus Uyghur Muslims just for the crime of practicing their faith. That's true. But, uh, you know, shout out to Disney for giving a thank you to the paramilitary group that's actually enforcing that because yeah, they helped cool. make Mulan. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's it, that, I mean, like, they talk about woke, huh? Yeah, talk about woke. And now uh, Biden appointed, you know, the former Disney representative to be the envoy to China. Very right. fitting. So uh, <laughs> everything works great. I love being lectured, you know, by all these politicians, corporations, the entertainment industry, Silicon Valley about racism and injustice. When when it comes to China, they're absolutely silent about it. They yeah. won't dare talk about the actual racism and injustices that happen there, since, of course, they're, you know, they get money from them. And, so, and that's well, crazy. Well, I, I got to ask, you know. What is it that creates this kind of person who lines up in lockstep with massive multinational corporations, the most notorious human rights abusers, to claim they have moral authority over anybody? It's like the people standing next to McDonald's and Starbucks and Nike are like, we're morally just and you're the bad guys. You know what it is? It is, I mean, all politics is local. When you don't have sort of a add the human element of say, for example, say if there are one million Americans who are locked up in the Chinese and in, in these re-education camps, then Americans might actually care about it. But until that until that happens, these are foreign distant people. We'd never heard of them before, and therefore, yeah, I, I would have agreed with you maybe four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. But now you've got articles in the nation where they're like, I'm for prison abolition, but I want all of these Trump insurrectionists locked right. up. Yeah. If they came out and they were like, China has detained one million Trump supporters, people in this country would be like, it's it's tough. But, you know, this this real threat is important that these people are are seeking help. I mean, they're literally calling for truth and reconciliation commissions. They've legit been doing it for some time now. And it's, it's only a matter of time. I mean, they're going to start firing people. 
Yeah. They're, they're slowly like, there's this creep going on where one day they'll say, it's really bad that, you know, this racist person did this thing. Two days later, they'll say, this is the most dangerous thing we've ever seen in our lives. Then by, a week later, they'll say, we're literally facing extinction because of what this man did. Like every day, whatever this one thing was, they exaggerate it. And, and they, and they, so I'll give you an example. The January 6th incident, right, mm-hmm. with the storming of the Capitol, it, it was definitely bad. You know, these people stormed in. But what they keep, they, they've, they've like completely forgotten or purposefully flubbed over what, what really happened. Some people stormed to the front fighting with cops, pepper spraying them, hitting them, all that bad stuff. And a lot of people walked leisurely through the doors that were opened by police and took selfies with police officers. Mm-hmm. So that's all forgotten. And now all that anyone remembers of that day is like a horde of violent insurrectionists with a plan. There was no plan. These people have no idea what they were doing. Now they're trying to impeach a president over it. Yeah. But my, my favorite thing is, is how AOC turns that day into she like she fabricates this story. And I mean it. She literally fabricated a story because all that people remember about the six was the storming of the Capitol. They ignore the entire morning of and what happened. So now AOC can claim in the early afternoon something happened that made no sense. So like we forget essentially what happened on the day and they gaslight us over and over again to make it seem worse than it really is. That's like leading to this dramatic escalation where we could get to a point we're at a point where they're basically like, we should bring the domestic war, the war on terror home domestically to go after the Trump supporting extremists. There's like um, a lack, a, a lack of critical thinking or like a short sightedness. I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it that I think a lot of people suffer from. I don't really surround myself with those people. I'm used to hanging out with like people that actually like think about the past and like equate that with what's going on and like think about it. So, but I think a lot of people just are kind of driven by like, like a lack of memory maybe they don't have as good of a memory or something lemmings well i mean there are actual scientific studies that your memory tends to worsen during a traumatic event um or at least the correlation between your memory not being as good that's why you know when it's so important during criminal prosecutions and trials that you have multiple accounts you can use forensic evidence to to try to prove a particular suspect or defendant committed a particular crime because people's memories are very uh, unreliable now. Um, and I mean, we were talking obviously before the show about AOC's timeline. Um, you know, it's so difficult for people to sort of, I, I'd say the, the biggest folly of all of that is that they, a lot of journalists who are covering that did not take a step back to actually fact check exactly what was going on. Then he not, just took it at face value. Not even conservatives. Yeah. It took, it took, so uh, we'll give everyone the context. AOC tells this story, and we've talked about it quite a bit, about, you know, being in the Capitol and fearing for her life, thinking she was going to die because a cop was knocking on the door and she didn't know it was a cop. So everyone just kind of took it at face value. And then Michael Tracy, a journalist, made a comment that she was manipulative. And that became the news cycle. Mm-hmm. A day later, someone went, hey, wait a minute. She wasn't even in the Capitol building. The story she was telling was she was in her office. And everyone went, whoa, she wasn't even at the riot? And then I saw everyone, you know, even Ben Shapiro were, were pointing this out saying, you know, maybe she was scared, but she wasn't even in the Capitol. And so I did this tweet. And I had a journalist from Huffington Post hit me up saying my timeline was wrong. I was basically saying she was exaggerating the story because the evacuation she referenced, everybody was leisurely strolling through the building like nothing was happening. So her claiming she was fearing for her life when everyone was fine. Well, I deleted my tweet because he told me that I was wrong and I believed him. Turns out he was wrong. Everybody was wrong. 
AOC's story about being pinned down in her in her in her room while someone banged banging on the door happened a full hour and ten minutes before anyone stormed any building, before the Capitol was breached. So what happens is now that it's been a month and most people have forgotten the timeline of that day, and they only remember the snippet of people stormed the Capitol. It was scary. When AOC comes out and says someone banged on my door, it was scary. They instantly just mash that day into one moment, ignoring the timeline of events. And then you realize AOC fabricated that story. There's literally no way she thought, quote, they got in when no one had any idea that was going to happen. I was watching the Twitter feeds. I was watching the live streams. I was watching Trump's speech. And at 1 p.m., I uploaded a video where I said, it's over. Everyone's going to leave. That's it. It's boring. Nothing's going to happen. Literally at the exact same time she thought the world was ending, I was saying, it's, it's, nothing's happening. It's over. And then an hour and 10 minutes later, they breached the building. So she makes this stuff up. You, you, what's even worse is how you get even the fact checkers like from Snopes, uh, then using their gravitas and authority to basically, in a February 3rd article, uh, titled, Did AOC Exaggerate the Danger She Was In During the Capitol Riot? They rank it mostly false. And then they say, what's true? Ocasio-Cortez wasn't in the main Capitol building where the House and Senate chambers are located. But, but, but think about that. They try to argue, yes. Yeah. They're like, she wasn't in the building. Yeah. But the people were storming it, and she was scared. And I'm like, no. That was hour, It was an, over an hour later, and they didn't evacuate the House chamber until 2.39. So what? A, a full hour and what is this? It, it was an hour and 40 minutes later they finally evacuated, and they're claiming she didn't exaggerate? They well, they lying. did. I mean, they did say here's they, this is what they said. What's false. However, Ocasio-Cortez never claimed to be in the main Capitol building when the attack on the Capitol began. Ocasio-Cortez was, as she stated, in her congressional office, which is located in the network of office. And buildings. that's not true. She wasn't in her office at the time. She was evacuated at one o'clock before the storm. Before what, the storm. Yeah. What, did, what, did, what does it say specifically? Can you uh, read it? Yeah. Which is located in a network. No, no, it said of, uh, when when the riot happened. Is that what it says? Mm, what is the exact quote? When the attack began on the cap. Oh, OK. Right, right, right. And so you could argue that the breaching of the barricade was an attack they'll they'll get semantic on you right they'll move the goalposts but but aoc was evacuated they did give the all clear at 153 so maybe she went back to her office which yeah. would be very strange for her story i was terrified they were gonna kill me so i went back to my office as the riot was happening and that's why they came kicking her door down looking for her basically they didn't go to her they never went to her building they're like open never. up where is she that was a cop <sighs> yeah at one o'clock because she didn't report to where she was supposed no. to be no no oh, did you ever figure out why yes that was? A cop was going and telling everybody they were clearing the building because of a bomb scare. Okay. That was according to a Huffington Post reporter. That because there was a, a bomb planted at the RNC, which is just right outside Longworth uh, yeah. in Cannon. So what made her think someone knocking on her door was they got in and this was the end of her life? She had no idea. Panic it was, attack. Yeah. But that's deep paranoia. Or she's just lying. And also, she said in her video that she thought the Capitol Police officer was possibly in on the riot how could, again how could she possibly have known that without having seen any of the footage of say like any of the capitol police officers like taking selfies with uh that some of the, the protesters yeah that, that didn't happen how would she know that that this almost seems like a a, a memory that she formed herself mm -hmm. after or she's the fact making it up. or like, she's making it up cop kicks the door and it's, she has that much fear and he didn't distrust kick the door he knocked on the door he, and they let her when in when he came in yeah she when he was allowed in and he had she had so much fear and distrust of someone in uniform no, that no. makes me nervous or was he playing clothes she didn't know no, was who was knocking clothes. at the door he was in a uniform someone knocked on the door and she ran and hid in the bathroom and the guy let her in and then she looked at him in the eyes she said that he looked like he wanted to kill her he no, wanted no, no, listen, to hurt listen. her she was like i don't know if i'm projecting 
He knocked on the door. That amount of fear and paranoia that she was exuding is dangerous for someone in Congress to have. Right. You're right. But he knocked on the door and then this person said, go run, hide. Why? Her, her her assistant told her to run and hide because someone knocked on their door. I don't know. These people are nuts, man. But let's, let's, let's move forward. I want to keep on the critical race theory stuff because we have this story from the New York Post. LA Times columnist blasted for comparing Trump supporting neighbors to Nazi sympathizers. This is the level of depravity that we're starting to see. You know, we, we were just mentioning in the previous segment that you could probably take a million Trump supporters, put them in one of these re-education camps, and the left would be like, good. It's a good thing. Here's the story. They say, LA Times columnist of Virginia Hefferman, Heffernan, is being slammed for a piece in which she compared the Trumpites next door to our pandemic getaway in upstate New York, despite their aggressive niceness to Nazi sympathizers and Hezbollah because they backed Donald Trump. The Brooklyn-born writer, also a cultural columnist at Wired, wrote on Friday that her neighbors, who seem as devoted to the ex-president as you can get without being Q fans, just plowed our driveway without being asked and did a great job. How am I going to resist demands for unity in the face of this act of aggressive niceness? Is this, a, is this an Onion article? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's LA Times. Literally this is, they, a journalist posting her L. Yeah. They, 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 do they think this resonates with people? You know. <laughs> so her friendly neighbors scooped her driveway, cleaned the snow off. It was, it was pretty deep, too. Yeah, like, the picture deep. was nuts. Like, we, it was like a huge, like, there was a lot of snow up against her building. They did a lot of work. Yeah. And she's like, how am I supposed to not unify with them now? Oh, oh no. The propagandists on Twitter are telling you to hate your neighbor. And it's so hard because they're good people. What's so Amazing. wild about it is that in 2016, everyone was blaming Trump's victory on how all of his supporters were so insulated and they would not engage with other people with from other communities. And then here you go, a neighbor trying to plow someone else's driveway, showing like an act of friendship and trying to reach out and all of a sudden can't do it can't can't you're a hezbollah and a nazi i mean this is cult-like behavior it's sad i I feel sorry for her because (laughs) i mean imagine being this human being when someone reaches out does something nice to you and because they don't believe the same political ideas you you hate them to the point where you think that they're trying to exterminate a whole race of people i mean that's just absolutely insane and this lady i wrote when when talking about this is just a perfect byproduct and victim of this woke algorithm that radicalized her and made her into a person that that can't even live life normally that that sadly is stuck in this perpetual loop of hate and fear that she's caught up in because she's also writing a lot of the puff pieces she's also manipulating a lot of the information trying to of course gain all the followers monetize her clicks she's a part of this entire system that is spinning out of control and this is a perfect perfect example of of going utterly crazy this is, yes. this is but, but it's yeah. not just her no. This is just because she's prominent and she writes for the LA Times. We hear this. But I've seen so much stuff like this, how insane these people have gotten that you can you can not even like maybe you're not even a Trump supporter. You'll just be like, I don't know. I think everyone's kind of crazy. Trump's got bad, but, you know, he's not the worst guy in the world. And they'll still be like, oh, oh, you're a fascist. You're far right or you're you're what is it? Far right adjacent. Yes. Which, what does that even what is that? What does that one mean? Does it mean you're just right wing? Like what is that? I, I don't. You know how kind of my feelings on Trump. I'm, I wasn't a big fan of of his behavior, his personality, but like he wasn't evil, man. He's out of office. He left office. He didn't get us into any overt war. He didn't like. I mean, he did ex- escalate the drone war campaign, unfortunately, but he didn't like persecute and murder a bunch of Americans. He did separate people at the border. That was like the most terrifying 
imprisonment of, of people he did on American soil that I'm aware of. But comparing him to Hitler's it's over the edge. I mean, it's in, yeah, but well, it's mis, but misanthropy. I don't know l- how to describe it. L- let me read this quote. She said, the favors Hezbollah does for people in the cities of Tyre and Sidon probably don't involve snowplows. But like other mafias, Hezbollah tends to own, t- tends to its own. The Shiite, sick, elderly, and hungry, she wrote, they offer protection and hospitality and win loyalty that way. And they also demand devotion to their brutal us versus them anti-Sunni cause. Some of us are family, the favors say, say, the rest are infidels. Is she trying to claim that the people who plowed her driveway did it so that they would force her to like them as like a loyalty test? Well, that they, is- they really plowed my driveway so that I would have no choice but to support Trump. They probably just like doing They're it. They're nuts. These people are crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you think of what most people's motivations are, if it's not for money, if it's not to, like, you know, attract someone in particular, most of the time people do friendly things to get some – well, if it's not to obviously, like, for their own, like, internal benefit, like, they like doing nice things for other people because, it, you know, they feel good after they do it. Yeah, like you're doing something. Of, you know? Yeah, a lot of people do nice things for other people – to get other people to like them it's it's just kind of basic human yeah. nature it's not confusing well not to us so i would say that if you were doing something like plowing someone's driveway as a favor you're probably going to expect them to like mow your lawn for you maybe well that's a very transactional but, way of yeah, looking yeah. at it i think i think most people would not expect something in return when they do something yeah nice we had a else. neighbor that would always shovel our he'd be shoveling his sidewalk and then he just keep shoveling you know yeah. Yeah. shovel our sidewalk he had the shovel he was what? outside so what causes this? Because this is very different from, say, critical race theory or critical theory. This is just, I don't know what, media-driven cult psychosis? I'd say it's boredom. <laughs> boredom? People, yeah, I think people just honestly don't have enough to write about. So they find the, the things that bother them in their life. And boom, you get a column like Virginia Heffernan, who has, by the way, made the list and has blocked me because of being on it. <laughs> um, there you basically... Go. Posting how, like, triggered they are by some Trump supporters plowing their driveway. I mean, come on. Like, if you do something nice for me, I'm going to, like, you know, offer you in, you know, bring, you know, coffee, I've, hot cocoa. Like, yeah. if you want to hang out, like, I'm, I'm game for that. It's just I, I don't understand why some people are sort of wired in a way that, like, you got to, like, flesh out everything about that person. We I, live in a very deeply cynical world. I yeah. think boredom does fuel a lot of this, you know, cult-like behavior. The writers are desperate for something to write about to make money at their jobs, mm-hmm. and so they'll try and find something. Exactly. There was one funny article uh, we read a while back about, like, m- you know, uh, uh, Ivanka Trump's address signifying oh, yeah. alt-right, national. Like, it, it crammed every keyword possible in a ridiculous <laughs> article. But I think what, what happens is you have these this grifter class of people in media who will say whatever they need to say to pander to their cult. And then the people who are in the cult just have no purpose. So when they see, you know, this person standing atop the tower holding the tablet saying, go do these things, they're like, that's my that's my reason for being. That's my existence. Otherwise, they don't have anything else. So, you know, I've talked about this uh, in in the context of Jordan Peterson. One of the reasons why I think they hated him so much and still do is that he gives purpose to many young people, not necessarily conservatives, who they're, they're looking for something in their lives. They have no purpose. And he said, find the heaviest thing you can you can carry and carry it. He tells people to be responsible for themselves, clean their room. Well, these a lot of these cult-like, you know, far leftists need purposelessness in order to be the solution to that problem. 
So when you have these young people who are like, I don't know what I'm alive for. What am I doing? They say, wokeness, join the cult, be one of us. And they go, finally, purpose. Well, I actually do. I mean, I I see where you're going with this, because um, I think one of the aspects that made for some for a lot of young Muslim men and some women, but mostly young Muslim men, and part of the funneling that whole radical Islamic terrorism aspect is that once you hit a certain age, you know, young adulthood, you're trying to start figuring out what your purpose is in life, you turn to religion. Some people turn to it a little bit more so. Not everyone. Everyone finds something different, but something that gives your life meaning and purpose. When it came to a lot of these young Muslims who felt sort of disillusioned by what was happening in the world, well, some of them, you know, were either, say, very... um turned off by sort of the way society or the direction society was headed through culture or through politics, what have you. And a lot of them, and and this is actually kind of indicative of a lot of uh, particular terrorist suspects who have either carried out their attack versus uh, were caught in the middle or trying to do commit their act. They were not like for all intents and purposes, practicing or good Muslims by the standard of like, you know, they go out partying, they drink, they do drugs, they'd have premarital sex, things like that. And then they go, you know, almost pivot the entire 180 to some radical ideology within, and in this case, Islam, join up with Al Qaeda, with ISIS, and basically try to give themselves some sort of meaning by fulfilling what they think is a prophecy set out by God when really it's just obviously people taking, you know, manipulating these people for, there, for violent and political purposes. There are people who want to wield the, the power and there are people who are just desperate to have meaning in their lives. Yeah. I don't blame, you know, I feel bad for a lot of these people. The The people who found, say, Jordan Peterson and decided just to find their own path, figure something out and work hard, basically just take advice from someone who tells you to be a chill person and just, you know, be responsible. Those people found a good path. Probably a, a lot of them are probably happy now after reading and listening to what he had to say. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, Dr. Peterson is perfect by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, but when you've got aimless, listless young people playing video games all day, just gaining weight in their basement, and then one day someone says, go for a walk, clean your room, get active, and they do, they're going to start feeling better about themselves. I mean, we live in a society that nurtures immediate gratification. And when you see people who sort of like, get rich quick overnight, whether through, you know, through Bitcoin or Robin or Wall Hood, Street bets or Wall right, Street right, bets right. or even like going viral you know, on the Internet. Yeah, going viral on the Internet, going on Twitch, going on Twitter, going on TikTok. Like these are things that, you know, for a lot of young people who aren't seeing that type of success immediately overnight, they start to think, why not me? Why is this not happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? There is. They didn't watch Fight Club. (laughs) We were all told that we're going to be rock stars and astronauts. It's not true. So you might just be a dude in the backyard chopping wood. Be happy with yourself, your life. Find your own meaning. Read a book. But you can be a rock star and an astronaut. You can. You can. I think the issue is, you know, it's crazy when I see these stories about bands that break up and people are like, why would they break up? They had it all. And it's like, dude, you really don't understand the amount of work and suffering that goes into trying to maintain such high level positions. They assume that you're a rock star. Everything must be easy. It's like no. that. So- you know that you song? You eat the right food. It's, a ter- it's such a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, you, no, no, no. For, you, know, you know that song, Money for Nothing? Yeah, where it's like, you know, we got to move these microwave ovens. 
it was basically about these guys who are apparently, I'm probably messing up the story in some capacity. The Dire Straits heard these guys watching their music video complaining about how they get everything for free. And it's like, dude, it's hard work to maintain all this stuff. So bands, these high profile bands, these, these famous individuals, many of them, look, don't get me wrong. Some of them barely do anything and get money. It happens. Mm. But a lot of them are working so hard. They're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be around these people. This is toxic. Every day sucks. I want to be with my family. And they break up and they give it all up. They don't want to, they, they'd, they'd rather not make the money and just be the dude in the backyard chopping lumber. Case in point, Dylan Radigan, you know Dylan Radigan, yeah, right? Yeah. What is he doing? He's farming now, right? Uh, I believe he was in Italy last time. He's doing small time appearances on Jimmy Dore, but he was yeah. a big time MSNBC anchor mm-hmm. and he was also, you know, a friend and he started farming. He, he started building, he started getting into, um, I think, solar panels and sustainable communities and uh, doing a lot of cool hippie stuff. But he was in the business. He was a mainline MSNBC anchor. And he was one of the few people that criticized Wall Street, that criticized the big banks. And he dealt with the internal powers that be at MSNBC that fire anchors for not towing the line, the agenda. And he was just disenfranchised by it. But, but great person. Good guy. You know, there, there, there are many stories of this, where stories like this, where there's somebody who seems to have it all and then just wants to be the dude in the backyard chopping, chopping wood because it feels good to just be out there working with your hands. Do you really want to give up your, your, your mind, soul and body to something or do you want to just have the freedom? There are a lot of people who, who think it must be so great. The grass is always greener instead of just working on themselves, being happy with their own lives. And so what they do is they seek purpose. Some of them will get trapped in an addiction addiction cycle like a video game. Mm-hmm. You know, these video games offer up a dopamine reaction when you succeed. You play the game, you earn experience points, boom, new level, new armor, new weapon, you know, whatever game you're playing, and it feels good when you get it. Other people join these cult-like ideologies because they feel like they're doing something, like they finally matter. And they won't give it up because if they finally realize their ideology is psychotic, like screaming at your neighbors for literally no reason, it shatters their worldview. They are purposelessness. They have become purposeless. You brought up a point that I'm literally writing about in my journal right now. When you look at people who have been radicalized, because let's be honest here, she's radicalized to a very uh, big extent where she can't even take some a nice gesture. When you look at people who are radicalized, they're usually hopeless, as you said, purposeless. They're uneducated and they don't have a family. And when you see those bigger kind of trends unfolding on a larger scale and a lot more people being radicalized, this truly is uh showing uh, something that we should be concerned about because when you see this trend keep going the way it is it's only going to lead to more troubles politically socially violence and uh yeah th- exactly and right now this lady's like what do i do they're being nice well she's writing that essentially her neighbors are being nice to her because it's all about generating the loyalty hey i did this for you come join us like she's equating them with hezbollah what happens when she's when she she goes even further? What happens when you have somebody who just truly believes, oh, no, they're walking to my house with shovels. They're here to hurt me. And they pawed a weapon or something crazy like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What happens when they truly believe there's no good intent? Sometimes they'll try and set them up and, and like blackmail them and stuff. That, they that would, happens. People go that far. I know. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> I think we're, we're, you know, we saw uh, there was an article Chris Hayes wrote for, I think it was The Atlantic, where he said rural areas are getting reliably more red. And suburban areas and urban areas are getting reliably more blue for whatever reason. You can even zoom in and see it. The closer you get to a city, the bluer things get. And why is that? Even even in red states, when you find urban centers, they're blue. Even in red states, it's really weird. And so what's happening is that one of the one of the things that may be happening is that people are leaving cities 
conservatives or people who are more likely to be right leaning or moderate or conservative will go find like minded people where they can be comfortable. And the, 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 the Democrat liberal leftists are doing similar things. This is going to create a space, a, a situation in this country where there's no cross communication anymore. And it's just like you'll see someone and be like, they're evil. There's also been a huge demographic shift over the last decade, just because, as I said before, all politics are local or all politics is local. And when you find that your local politicians are putting implementing policies that, say, go against your values, oftentimes they're not. Yeah, you're going to leave. I mean, just look at how many people have left California for Texas or for Arizona and are slowly turning those states blue. Not always. I mean, Arizona turned blue, but Texas much closer in this past election than in years past. And when you start, and this is the, this is sort of the folly when it comes to, for say, for some Republicans in these states is that you become a victim of your own success. All of a sudden, they're now electing people that don't, that they are going to implement policies that are antithetical to yours. And yep. they, they bring, you know, there, there was that comic where Joe Rogan is walking from California to Texas, you know, smiling and he's carrying a bag on wheels, you know, roller bag. And it says liberal policies. And there was like a cowboy guy saying like, hey, why don't you leave that where you got it? And that's the idea. You know, someone like Joe Rogan may be a pretty, you know, mild, reasonable guy. He's fairly libertarian, but he is fairly left on a lot of issues. And so he might, you know, he'll end up coming. And then what happens is with all of his good intentions, he'll vote for someone who seems moderate libertarian, which will be further left than the traditional Republican who runs in the area. And then it's just it's a slow process where the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Didn't someone compare him to Rush Limbaugh today? Yes. Yeah. Who Washington was Washington Post said oh that Joe Rogan is the next Rush Limbaugh. There, it was making- <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? It's Do you want to talk about I it? I can see it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> both bald. Sometimes. So check, it, check, it, check, check us out. Okay. So we, we, we do have the story from the Washington Post. It says Rush Limbaugh is ailing and so is conservative talk radio industry. It's from Paul Farhi. Ah, this guy. This, uh, oh, yeah. we, we, we know Paul. And, uh, in, 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 in this, he actually brings up this one point about uh, basically the article is saying that talk radio is, is on the decline. And that means conservatives are, are in trouble. But he says one very important thing. The shift makes someone like comedian Joe Rogan, a libertarian with a hugely popular podcast, quote, the next Rush Limbaugh, says Paul Matsko, the author of The Radio Right, how a band of broadcasters took on the federal government and built the modern conservative movement. Well, okay, so Farhi isn't himself saying that Joe Rogan is the next Rush Limbaugh, but that is a heck of a statement to be made. I would, I mean, like, in terms of impact, maybe. I mean, Rush Limbaugh has been a force on the right in conservative But Joe Rogan's radio. not a force on the right? No, Joe Rogan's not a force on the right, but he is a force. True. But, you know, I guess in the idea of influence in talk shows, but... Larry I mean, King the, had an influence in talk shows. Yeah, it's a yeah, wild but, stretch. I mean, he could have said Howard Stern. He could have said Larry right. King. Yeah. He no, said no, people listen people. to Rogan like a spiritual guide, kind of yeah. like how Rush Limbaugh was. The, yes, the problem exactly. is Rogan doesn't puppeteer the talking points. He doesn't go along with the agenda. He actually questions things and yeah. tries to rationalize them instead of just pushing up propaganda. That's, and that's why he's such a battering so, ram. That's for what, yeah, exactly. That's why it's so dangerous is because you get someone who inspires you to question the yeah. narrative and question things as they are questioning authority who wants but who in authority wants that rush limbaugh is a conservative with conservative opinions and when he tells stories and he talks he's talking 
It's not for, for the most part. But my, you, my, but you did explain to me as off the show that there's no such thing as the left and right anymore. It is. Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah. It is the it yeah, is the relative. woke cult. It's then, the cult and, and the then, not and, cult. And then the not cult. So right. right now we're looking at the example of Joe Rogan's part of the not cult, but right. he has his own cult like following. If you yeah, want, if you want to make that that uh, comparison, and then but he's challenging everything within that woke cult for the most part. Right. So yeah, so I, I guess in that in that ca- in that in that stance, you're probably right, isn't it? The weirdest thing that yeah. left and right has nothing to do with. I don't even. I don't even. You know, look, we, we were talking earlier. You you know, I said there's no real left and right anymore. You mm-hmm. agreed. You said it's a horseshoe, and I said it's a Jackson Pollock painting. It's just. Yeah. I don't know who's what, who's where. So I can come out and be like, all of my you know policy positions have been traditional liberal, but I think the Democrats are manipulative and they're lying to people, and the media is lying too. And that's a right-wing position, apparently. So well, I guess that— I think we'll know. be all, like, by 2069, nice, we'll be all uh, a, like, a homogenized, like, you know, we talk about the mixing bowl. That's when we'll all be homogenized. Everybody literally t- has a position—takes uh, every single position on everything, like Hillary Clinton. What, what, what do you mean? Like She takes a position on everything. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of things where I'm like, I don't know. You know, uh, Keystone Pipeline's a good example— the left says it's causing oil spills, and it's like, okay. And then the right says freight delivery causes more oil spills. So Keystone actually is an improvement. There, uh, We mentioned this on the show the other day. There's this meme about the U.S. government spent uh, millions of dollars developing a pen that can be used in zero gravity so they can write while they're in outer space. The Russians used a pencil, and then and everyone laughs. <laughs> and the, these leftists share the meme saying it was such a simple solution and America wastes all this money. And then the, the new meme now is someone writing a correction saying using a pencil can get particulate matter from the pencil into the air, which can be dangerous for the filtration system and what you are breathing. And so because they need a purified environment, it is dangerous to use a pencil. So the U.S. created a pressurized pen to use in outer space for safety purposes. It makes a ton of sense. When you don't understand and you think you're smarter, the simple solution sounds like it's right. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it wasn't. Keeps makes me keep thinking about this where when a new person goes from California to Texas, they want to impose what they think is right. And often what you think is right isn't. So that's when like when when, when you want to push your beliefs, whatever they are, you got to like look at history and look at the patterns and think of yourself as part of a pattern. I just think of myself as a dumbass. Like, <laughs> you're not a dumbass, Luke. <laughs> because again, you have to understand there's a lot of stuff we don't know about. And, and a lot of people think that they know everything. We don't. Uh, well, so we are we can learn about it. Let's, let's, let's talk about the, the subtle erosion when it comes to politics. Uh, with Joe Rogan being the example of like the new right. If we're talking about the left being the cult and the right being the not cult, then yeah, I guess as strange as it might sound, Joe Rogan may very well be the next Rush Limbaugh. The only difference is Joe is talking to people. He's, he's not for the most part. Uh, getting up there and for hours talking about how he feels right. about what's going on. So there, there is a difference. But in terms of policy changes, it's going to affect this country. You know, so so we're, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. I've gone to a few gun shops and I was talking to this one guy and he was saying, oh, we got all these liberals moving in now, you know, because since COVID and the riots and now they're coming to buy guns. And I'm like, Ugh. and I laughed and I'm like, I'm one of them. And then he gave, he gave me this look. He was just like, oh, and I'm like, here's my, you know, former ID from this, you know, very blue place. And I was like, no, don't look at me, man. I'm not voting. And I was like, because I don't know. I, I lived in this place and it got bad. And now I'm coming new, new, to a new place. I'll defer to you guys. And then he was like, no, just vote for, you know, the people we tell you to vote for. And I was like, I'll just leave it to you. I'm not going to get involved. But here's what happens. Joe's a good dude. 
He's got a lot of good ideas and he's fairly rational, right? But he'll come in and, and I mean this with, with, with the utmost respect, I don't think his intention's going to be, I'm going to turn this place deep blue and make it as bad as California because he fully understands why California is bad. So he's, he's, he's probably soured on a lot of the policies of California that are deep blue. However, there are probably some things where he's like, look, I like that Texas does a lot of these things, but there are some things I think should change. Legalize weed. That's the slow erosion. There's issues pertaining to family. There's issues pertaining to, you know, marijuana, for instance, that can lead to bigger changes down the road. And as, as, as an individual person, you might not realize the correlation between one policy and the next. So you might think it's no big deal that I'm saying we should allow or not allow this one particular thing, not realizing it is just one domino being knocked over, which eventually ripples down the line. So let's say you, you know, want, think marijuana should be legalized. You vote for it. Now, all of a sudden, you get a bunch of dispensaries popping up and a bunch of industries from California and Colorado, blue areas, move in and set up massive businesses and relocate their employees, sending in more deep blue voters. There's things like that. It's not it's not so cut and dry. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get Republicans to start smoking weed and you got no problem. Right? They'll become libertarians overnight. <laughs> yeah. Psilocybin. Yeah. I'm into it. You know, you just got to you just got to like slowly push that on them. Just be like, it's OK. <laughs> like, you can cut, I laugh and joke, but like. If everyone took a dose of psilocybin, I think this world would be like drastically altered for the better. Yeah. I don't know about world for the peace, better, man. Communication, or they could freak no, out and ha- and have a total like that will probably happen a- again. Is, uh, when you're talking about psilocybin, your own personal decision. Some people have yeah. really great, amazing, eye-opening uh, experiences, like Bill Hicks. Some people freak the hell out and have horrible experiences and, because their self-control is trying to limit their kind of expansion, and they're fighting each other, and that fighting is hurt. It creates listen, a lot listen, of conflict. Listen, listen. This, 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 this idea that, yeah. that, that <laughs> they're already insane. They're already yeah, out sure. of control and crazy. Listen, so, like, yeah, that, that's oversimplifying war. That's, that's oversimplifying war. We don't have war because someone's just crazy. There are reasons behind why they declare war, and typically it's over resources. True, you could have Always like the resources. berserkers. The history was they would take like. Crazy no, psychoactives the, and then go into battle. But the point, the point I'm, right. so you can have a society that's on psychoactives and violence. So you're but, right but, about right, that. Right, right. But the point I'm saying is, you said there would be world peace if people did psilocybin. Well, communication is what really brings it, and I, well, that no, helped I'll, me. I'll tell you, learn communication. Skills. You could, you could take a world leader and, and have them take shrooms, and they're still going to say, "But my country needs oil." Maybe, and maybe not though. I don't know, man. You see outside the box on that stuff. So you think that a country that's heavily sanctioned, like Iran, for instance. And their people are starving and their currency is hyperinflating that the Ayatollah takes shrooms and also is going to be like, let my people die. He'd probably be like, well, oil is feeding my people, so I can't stop right now because they'll die. But as opposed to maybe the butt wasn't there before. I think I think, you know, it's like saying a father would sacrifice his kids if he took shrooms. I just don't see it. Sacrifice them. Why? Let them die. Like a a leader of their people in their country are not going to abandon them simply because they had a trip. You know what I mean? No, but those are two kind of extremes, and you really kind of have to experience it to understand what kind of happens to you. There's a lot of possibilities in this kind of larger spectrum, uh, but there have been a lot of scientific studies, especially with microdosing, showing that it does actually help your mental cognitive functions increase and help cure a lot of PTSD and a lot of other internalized kind of d- depression-linked issues sure. that, that couldn't be solved with other issues, but uh, uh, mushrooms specifically did in particular studies. So, but the, the issue I see is if you've got a nation and they're being besieged by another nation repeatedly and their people are being killed, doing shrooms won't change that fact that they're being threatened and attacked and they will respond in kind. It won't change the the fact, right, that that there is a siege. They won't like lift the siege, but it will change the way you view 
and your tactics. So, so let me ask you, if, if I was throwing rocks at your face, would you stop me? Yeah. If you took shrooms and then the next day I threw rocks at your face, would you stop me? Mm-hmm. So what, how come there's no peace? There's external factors in war that's not related to what you do with your shrooms. Someone taking psychedelics is not going to change war. Oh, well, I would stop you in different ways. I would, I think, depending, on, depending on the situation. I just <laughs> you, don't. You'd build a wall. I might grab <laughs> it and stand you, up. You, you, you know, you, I might throw it back at you. You'd get it back to cash it. it or, you know, you'd build a wall with the rocks that you're throwing in the wall. I have a simple statement that I, that I saw today in a meme. So it's now my philosophy that I live by. And it says, uh, do no harm, take no ish. And I think, you know, yin and yang, I think, I think if people have reasonable approaches like that, I think they could go about things, especially if they have open, if they have their minds opened up to new perspectives, it could go along in a way that could be a lot more productive and conducive than doing it just the old fashioned way. And when you look at psychedelic mushrooms, they usually help people realize those other possibilities. But again, not a medical doctor, not recommending it to you. I know a lot of people that had really bad trips and had psychosis and dealt with some really negative impacts. So if you're, if you are going to do something do your own homework do your own research talk to some professionals uh, especially on this topic because it is a very important one that you need to take seriously and not just decide from a youtuber right, right, and right. i'm gonna take a bunch uh, of mushrooms so, so so <laughs> let's follow up on the on the initial conversation you know I, I see a lot of people moving to texas and i'm just like why you know i've had people say to me like you should move to texas and i was like no nah, i'm not gonna move to texas. austin yeah, everybody's moving to Austin. It didn't Elon Musk go there? Yep, he's yeah, right outside yeah. Austin. Elon and Joe and and who else went there? Is Chappelle down there? Or is he just too? Uh, I think they no, story. Chappelle's in Ohio. Yeah, ben but Shapiro Alex left Jones. California. He went to too. Nashville. Nashville, California. But yeah, like, he left California. But a lot of people are going to Texas. Yeah, a lot Alex of smaller Jones. YouTubers, but still like prominent personalities, are in Texas. It's warm. That's nice. But will Texas? Dry. Is it? Do, do you guys really think this will make Texas turn blue? Do you think, Siraj? Oh, uh, I don't know if it will. I think. I've always thought it would it would turn blue within like the next ten years, not this election. Um, but look, just by pure voting numbers, if you looked at how Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump, I think he lo- she lost by like eight hundred thousand votes. Uh, Beto O'Rourke in the twenty eighteen midterm lost to Ted Cruz by like two hundred thousand votes. And then I think around in in this twenty twenty election, I think it was somewhere around a ballpark of a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. Um, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the shift that I thought it was going to be, that it was going to be even much closer than that. But it's, you know, anything is possible. There's probably going to, Texas is probably going to do something that's going to alienate all the libs and they're going to, and they're going to leave well, like so they did in Georgia. The, the, huge state, think, so. think about this yeah. though. I mean, the Republican party today is very different from where it was four years ago and four years before that. It's yeah. being pulled to the left. So mm-hmm. For all we know, the Democrats of this year will be Republicans in 2022, and then Texas will stay red, and everyone will be like, oh, look, it's red, but it's actually pretty far left. Yeah, I mean, the thing is about, uh, yeah, and that's the thing about how progressives view the Democratic Party in general, and that they are very much the party, they're very much like the Republican Party of like the George W. Bush years. Yeah, to me, it's uh, also really going to depend on the immigration, Mm -hmm. especially the immigration that Joe Biden is letting in, and that's going to have a huge, tremendous effect that, of course, will support a lot of Democrats, and also what's happening on the campuses. I mean, we have to understand there's a new kind of youth coming out directly from universities, and they're 
inspired there. Uh, individuals that are taught a certain way of thinking that is becoming prevalent, that is supported by the corporations, that is supported by Hollywood, that is supported by Silicon Valley, that is kind of eroding any form of oh, the old kind of fashion way of living. I just the realized why it's so important to stand up and speak your mind and be honest. It's not to change your minds. It's the kids. <laughs> yeah. The young 14 and 13, the, the impressionable people that are forming their belief of what the world is, it's affecting them like massively. Well, that's why it's important to build culture. That's why it's important to do fun things and inspire young people. And one of the problems, I guess, with like talk radio is it's for people who are already in the know. It's yeah. not. But then you YouTube shows where 13 year olds log on. That's why it's awesome. No, it's they not. They can they watch and it's funny. But they, and you for the most beanie. part, don't watch political commentary. They don't. But this show's different, you know? They're no. on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, they're on, they're <laughs> they're on TikTok. They're on TikTok. Yeah. Now, uh, surprisingly, I have a bunch of videos on TikTok I didn't put there. And, you know. I apparently get like millions of views. Epic. Yeah. Look, I am a nobody. I mean, I, I, that, but I have young people reach out to me all the time, which is crazy thinking that I'm like some sort of like influence in their life. And that means a lot because well, like, they say you I, are, you are. Yeah. No, it's, and, and I, I mean, you start to think about like what kind of impact you actually are having on certain mm -hmm. people. And it's tremendous. Yeah. The Chinese kind of implications here when it comes to TikTok and also our campuses and university is also something that I think is really prevalent that we should be talking about. Because according to Campus Reform, they just released an article according to their source who allegedly works in ICE. It was that Joe Biden, our president, just recently quietly ended a Trump policy where universities had to publicly release their ties to the Chinese government and to specifically the Chinese Confucius Institute. Institutions. Mm. And now, under this alleged new directive, according to campus reform, they no longer have to do that. It's and opening you, the door for Chinese propaganda. Yes. And when you look at the influence that the Chinese government has been expanding all over the world, and particularly in our institutions, it really makes you wonder, especially when you see the result of, of a, quote, university education on the young children that are coming out and their behavior in the world, which is, I would say, somewhat fairly, uh, you know... Not to be too hyperbolic, but but essentially destructive to our way of life. Well, let's, I, I want to expand on this, but I want to start with this next story we have. Check this out. From CBS 8, researchers say voters are leaving the Republican Party. Recent studies show the Republican Party is losing voters after the riots on Capitol Hill last month. They say voting experts at the University of Florida say thousands of voters are no longer registered with the GOP. They say far more Republicans than Democrats are changing their registration. And it's happening here in San Diego County, too. The insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th is something most people thought they'd never witness. Now, political research says the fallout from that day shows thousands of registered voters fleeing the Republican Party. Quote, these Republicans are rejecting Trumpism, a brand that they see continue to lead the party even after his defeat. And California Secretary of State's office shows over 33,000 voters have left the GOP since the riot at the Capitol. In San Diego County, more than 4,700 Republicans have defected. Now, I, I want to I ask a question. How do they know these people are leaving because of the riots? That's uh, I was just about to say. That maybe, the, maybe they're leaving because Trump's out and they don't care about the Republican no, Party. The I, think, I think it's more the fact that Republicans have been, uh, the, the establishment has taken over the Republican Party and they did not do everything they possibly could to keep Trump in office. Well, I think it's the other way around. I think Trump infected the establishment like he, he forced his way in mm -hmm. and then as soon as they had the opportunity to get rid of him they did right no they definitely did i'm totally with you on that yeah one. but i'm saying that one of the reasons and i've talked to a number of trump supporters who who are you know on the fgop bandwagon 
they believe that the Republican Party didn't do enough to keep Trump in office, believing, obviously, that the election was stolen and that when it comes to uh, how the GOP is now, they sort of embraced it. They embraced letting Trump be expelled from office right. and didn't do enough. What, 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 what do Republicans do? What do they fight for? Is there is like a specific issue Republicans are like, this is our issue? This, the one thing that sort of unites them all together, limited government. What does that mean? So, and when do they vote for it? Hey, that's a great question because I'm look. You know, I'm I'm thinking of that that weekend video. You know, from the Super Bowl halftime Looking show. Like where like, where all the where all the limited well, government Republicans well, one, at? One thing we talk about quite a bit is that you you can name very specific things that progressives and Democrats say they must have. Right. Natural a path to naturalization. You know, public option or universal health care, gun control. You know what they're saying. We must have now, and the Republicans are saying. Don't do that. Don't do that. But they're not doing anything themselves. Right. No, they've what, always been the party. Uh, I've mostly been the party of no. Uh, of hold your horses. Yeah. Not even no. Just Well, think about what the term then, of being, what, what, is, what does the term conservative really mean? It is someone who has always sort of just played it safe, not doing anything drastic, trying to keep with tradition. That's largely what conservatives have always been yep. about. And they're getting arms manufacturing deals, well, bribes, whatever you want to call them, funding, and uh, oil. The oil industry is behind them. So they don't want it to change. They want to right. continue. Like, the gravy the train means a lot. Everything comes down to money. I wonder how this is going to impact uh, the future, because before this segment, we were talking about propaganda universities affecting our kids. Trump brought in new voters. He brought in a lot of younger voters, too. I, I, I went to a bunch of Trump rallies and I talked to, you know, to young men who are like 20 and they said political correctness was the issue why they decided to vote Republican. Not much else. Trump was actually fighting for specific things, sort of. He represented certain things. He was fighting to, to end these free trade agreements to bolster American manufacturing. That was something finally people saw and they agreed with, whereas the Republicans were basically like, just not the Democrat, right? Mm -hmm. Now we have this wave, you know, young people every 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 year. There is a wave of, you know, generation of young people who are now eligible to vote. These people, uh, these young people are now entering the ranks of, of American voters with a crippled GOP that people are leaving and don't care for anymore. So if they are conservative or at least not far left, where do they go? Do we ultimately see the rise of a new political party or several or what? Here's the thing. When it comes to people actually entering the voting booth, most people think about what what their vote actually means. Like, is it actually going to be counted in a way that it matters? And when they think about the dichotomy, the two-party system, Republican, Democrat, they realize that they can't always just throw away their ballot. I think most people, when they enter the voting booth, think they're going to vote for someone that, if, if they hate the other party, they're going to vote for the, the party that's in opposition. Um, that, that's kind of, that is probably the most simplest explanation I can give because they may hate that particular party that they're voting for, but they'll do it to try to stave whatever may happen, whatever may change from the other party taking over. Right. I would ask, please don't vote with hate in the future. Vote for, not against. No, you just vote for the lesser of two evils. I mean, that's what the media tells <laughs> us to do. That's clearly what we should do. Also, another thing to kind of think about with this news article, a lot of these polls are usually very, very wrong. And, and two, <laughs> that's true. usually the conservatives are very underrepresented in them. So the polling industry is, is an industry that I absolutely do not trust. Well, but this is not polling. All. This is the actual hard numbers from the Secretary of State's office tracking party membership. 
Well, yeah, well, yeah, but but even when it comes to that, we have to understand Republicans and conservatives usually are the types not to be very public about who they support or why they support, and a lot of times they they surprise people at the polls because they actually vote, but they don't tell anyone who they voted for. That's why a lot of the exit polls, a lot of the other polls were wrong. And even though they might be transferring parties right now, it still doesn't directly no, represent. Quitting. Yeah, it still doesn't. I mean, I think they're just disenfranchised, disenfranchised not just by Trump, not just by the Republicans. Republicans, but uh, how can you not be disenfranchised with, with Joe Biden? I mean, I, I, if you're not, uh, maybe if you're not paying attention and if you're in La La Land, which a lot of people are, but if you're paying attention, you are absolutely disenfranchised with Joe Biden. There's I mean, no he, reason Biden is be. remarkably doing things that everybody hates. Yeah. He rescinds this rule on Chinese propaganda. He rescinded, so he susp- I'm sorry, suspended the rule on Chinese propaganda. He suspended a rule keeping China out of our electrical grid. And like, why? So that's got conservatives yeah. pissed off. He, but, he, but the left is saying, he promised $2,000 checks. He promised $15 minimum wage. He's not doing any of those things either. So he's basically building a coalition against him. Yeah, he banned the term China virus because he wanted to fight COVID racism. I mean, he, he banned as, language as he's making sure Americans to get into the United States have to get a COVID test. But if you're a migrant, you don't even get COVID tested when you cross the U.S. border. But American citizens returning back to their country, you have to have a COVID what test. What if these people coming in, these migrants have COVID? Yes. Yeah, what that's if? the point. <laughs> that's the point that Tucker Carlson was talking about yesterday in this first segment, which is something that I, I think shows you who Biden is really Look, interested in. This disenfranchising of, of conservative voters is worrisome because you've got a bunch of people now feeling like there's no outlet and they're hearing things like what Luke is saying. You mean if I fly in, I got to get a test, but these people can just cr- walk across the border. N- no problem. And Joe Biden is, is, is creating a pathway for these people, but making it harder for Americans. That's going to make people lose it. It really does feel like the joke. You know, we, this is the joke we've been making. They keep throwing more at us just to see what, how far we're willing to take it. I, I, how, I how don't much know. I'm a little it. skeptical about that type of story because you, you might hear it happen at one particular checkpoint, but it might not, it might be the exception, not the rule. Cause I mean, think about all these detention centers you know, that are housing a lot of these migrants. I mean, we talked, obviously, we talked about like the child separation policy in 2018, which is an awful policy. We should pull the story up. It's on the Daily Mail. They also covered it and they released which story? Uh, about how migrants are not being tested, but uh, American citizens who are coming back have to have a you know negative test in order to enter the country. I mean, just think about, I mean, because a lot of these detention centers are controlled by HHS. Yeah. Well, now they're, no, 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 they're not detention centers. They're expansion centers. They're expansion uh-huh. centers. So they're, okay. that's so, the new kind of lingo that they're using now. In the what, what, is that, what does that even mean? Overflow. Though? They're overflow, overflow centers. centers. Okay. Yes, they're overflow but centers. Are, and, and so we have to figure out, are those <laughs> overflow centers controlled by HHS or by DHS? Because those two, those two uh, federal agencies basically control the flow of people into the United States. And a lot of the detention facilities that we saw that we thought were controlled by uh, DHS are actually controlled by HHS. That's Health and Human Services? Yes. That's, that's the... That's, the, the the federal agency that's been trying to do all the COVID operation warp speed vaccine basically the federal government's response to all of this has basically been controlled by HHS. Huh. Sorry, sorry, I, I didn't. No, mean, no, that was a very I could wonky. Keep going. Way. I just wondering if you yeah, found the article. DHS. Well, I found, I found the article Horror. talking about Tucker Carlson yeah. blasting Biden for releasing thousands of migrants into the U.S. without giving them COVID tests. As Texas sheriff says, the policy will create irreparable harm. And that's that's the, that's I mean that's the gist of it. That's it. That needs investigation. That 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 is that is, sounds too crazy to be real. 
But, but again, I, we live in a crazy walk, world, walk so anything could be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these these people who are leaving the Republican Party probably were barely in the Republican Party. When I was uh, when I was in Florida, there was, there was a Trump rally in Fort Lauderdale, and I was just talking to some random Trump supporters. I I talked to not one one Republican. I I talked to a small handful of people, maybe just sh- just shy of a dozen, and they all basically said the same thing. Oh, I'm I'm not in any party or anything like that. I think, oh, I, I've never voted before what, or anything like that. Say? I was just gonna say that you know, Trump supporters, Trump is not a Republican. He's not right. a conservative. He ran as a Republican, but even you know the the most conservative people will tell you Trump is not a conservative. He is he is a nationalist populist. He is in many ways an opportunist, and I think I, the 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 greatest analogy I ever heard. Uh, about Trump is that he's like a couch. Whoever sits on him last, that's what's left on his brain. <laughs> like that's what he's thinking about. So like whoever gets in his ear, the last, the, the last person who gets in his ear, that's what's on his mind. That's what's probably go- he's going to be tweeting about or, well, he can't tweet anymore, but that's what he would be talking about. <laughs> he could go on gab. RIP in peace. But Mr. he won't Mr. do it. President. I think you're right that. Not maybe not that we need a new political party, but people want to do that. They want to. We go. need it, and we need it. What I think is that if we don't start it, literally, me and you, like if we don't start it, it won't happen. I mean, that's the problem. I'm not interested in being involved in a political. That's party. the thing. Right. <laughs> everyone, hates, nobody wants. I don't want to be a politician. Hates. I don't hate myself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that you have to find someone who particularly loathes themselves, <laughs> themselves in order oh, to that's start the best that. People. You need, uh, you ever see that, I, I love this, this is my favorite references of late, the Futurama episode about the clone presidents. Was it John Jackson and Jack Johnson? No. <laughs> I think your three cent titanium text goes too far. Well, I think your three cent titanium, ta- titanium text doesn't go too far enough. They're the same person. Huh? Fry is like, they look like the same person. And then Leela's like, it's because they are. That's, that's what we have. And, and that's what you need. You need somebody who has no real thoughts or opinions. And you hand them a stack of paper saying, here are the things you have to say. And they go, okay. And they get votes. You could, could you build a system where that it totally satiates the military industrial complex and everybody involved, but somehow creates a system that will evolve us out of it? I don't know. No idea. Green party. There so like go. with, with energy, would it be like an elect, electric? No, revolution? I'm saying the actual green party. Maybe. I don't know. They seem to be the only party saying that they, we don't need the military industrial complex. But I guess, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess the libertarian party might be on a, on the same wavelength. But yeah, but we've all seen the meme with the scraggly looking fox. You know, <sighs> that's true. You yeah, think you'd have a better chance starting a new party or co-opting like the Green Party? You have to co-opt. This is why Trump didn't. Trump was actually part of the Reform Party when in 2000 he left it because they were too extreme. And then he joined the GOP later on after being a Democrat for so long because. He knew he figured out a way to speak towards a lot of different people from all different parts of the. Then we're talking about political spectrum because obviously the political spectrum doesn't exist anymore, but people all across the spectrum and find something that resonates with them. And it is literally as simple as these people are out to get you. I'm in the way. That's why they hate me. Oh. And that was sort of, he was a knock against the entire establishment, both Democrat and Republican, because he was just not part of it. He was the outsider. Uh, he was the billionaire outsider who came in like a wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus style, <laughs> basically saying, I am going to change the entire system. 
And then what ended up happening was he, because he was basically laughed out of the prime, well, he wasn't laughed out of the primary, but people, you know, did not take his candidacy seriously from the get-go because of, of whatever rhetoric he said, uh, you know, starting from his very first political rally. Um, he, he couldn't hire the right advisors. And he ended up getting people like Carter Page and George Papadopoulos who didn't really know what they were doing. And then they get wrapped up in this whole, like, Russia probe. But then he couldn't fill his his actual cabinet with people who actually believed in him. They were just opportunists trying to basically get a job. And, or a pardon for someone they knew. Or a pardon for someone they knew. But there were just as many opportunists that surrounded Trump, uh, President Trump than President Trump himself. It's just... I mean, every, every, so, so everybody was working against him. I was reading something earlier that when he was trying to draft his executive orders initially... The OLC was just not like, basically not Office doing their of job. legal counsel. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be saying, OK, here's how you can make your executive order work. And they would purposefully leave holes so that it could be destroyed in the courts. And I don't know if that's true. I was something I was reading. No, there, Twitter there is there was a direct and there was incentive to make sure that Trump failed f- within the Republican Party because yes. they yep. they realized that he took control of he was he was the Republican Party when he was president. Everything was about him. He was the center of the universe and establishment Republicans were on, on the outside. And they realized that if, if actually Democrats took a lesson from, from, from Republicans in 2016, when Bernie was winning all those states in the early primaries, he won what he won. He won. He owned, well, Iowa still hasn't been decided. <laughs> uh, he yeah. won, uh, New Hampshire and then he won, uh, uh, Nevada. Um, was there an, a third state in there before? I don't know. But They're anyways, wrong. he had enough delicates as if he won Iowa. And then South Carolina came up. What happened right right before Super Tuesday? So Joe Biden predictably won South Carolina. But then the establishment decided they were not going to let an insurgency from Bernie Sanders happen. So they all coalesced behind Joe Biden. You had Amy Klobuchar, Michael Bloomberg, Pete Buttigieg, all dropping out in the span of like two days and endorsing Joe Biden. What happened on, on Tuesday, Super Tuesday? He won almost, I think, all but two states. And that was it. Well, Bernie, it's because he, the, the other candidates were splitting the vote. Yeah, they exactly. So but they, they realized that this is what happened. This was the folly of the, the, the Republican Party, the Republican establishment, I should say, in 2016, is that they thought, you know, you had the Marco Rubio, you had the Ted Cruz, you had John Kasich, you had Scott Walker, all of them thought they could take on Trump, and he just picked them off one by one. If they all coalesced behind a particular right. establishment candidate, they probably would not have nominated Donald Trump as Plus, president. Plus, Trump was fun. It, it was, was very fun. fun. Watching I mean, him make fun of Jeb and turn people into memes. Yeah, calling Rand Paul ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, even, yeah. even Elizabeth Warren wasn't with Bernie. She was still sticking right? around, and everyone was like, hey, Elizabeth, you're kind of hurting Bernie here with all of this, and... That was the plan, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's amazing how people believe Elizabeth Warren was like progressive. She's what, what did I say? She's Hillary Clinton wearing a Bernie Sanders mask. She's the only one that actually even said something about social media and the big tech oligarchs. Right. And then she stopped. So it's like, she wait, came out in defense of Wall Street during the, during the GameStop yeah. rebellion. Yep. When, they were, when they were challenging the hedge fund, she's like, who are these people? What are they doing? Oh, yeah. Great progressive Elizabeth Warren, defender of Wall Street. 
Yeah, no, Elizabeth Warren, um, I, she has gotten quite a bit of flack from the Bernie crowd for, for her role in sort of undermining Bernie's candidacy. Yeah. But if you also remember, even from the beginning primaries, they were screwing Bernie over. There was no declared winner during the first primary right, in Iowa. Iowa and, and who got it? Buttigieg? Uh, but but again, it was so close, and because it was close, they did very similar things. They postponed it they, until the next primary, until more news came in. Because again, the, the person who wins the first primaries always gets the big bump, always gets the big push, and it was very close for Bernie getting it. And then they they kind of scooched the poop. Now again, not a fan of Bernie. Uh, I, I really don't like his policies. I think he really, really hurt a lot of his supporters, especially with how Hillary treated him and how he endorsed Hillary, how he played the game. But still, it's important to call out that he still represents sort of a populist idea mm -hmm. that does have some merit, that does have some credibility, and it resonates with a lot of people. Sure, and that's what sure, connects Trump. That's what connects Bernie. These Bernie larger up, populist man. ideas. Of course, he, he gave up. And I, and I would say uh, Trump gave up as well. Uh, yeah. You can make both arguments. Both of them gave up on, on the people, on their larger kind of populist Trump, energy that, Trump that pushed fought, them behind them. Trump fought for years, and it was only at the very end when he realized it was over. Yeah, but it was all egotistical. It was all self-absorbed. And when you're when you're coming from that perspective, it's very easy to manipulate someone when they care so much about how they look. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what it was, because the way I describe it all the time, it was the populists leading Bernie Sanders, a politician, to the gates of the ivory tower, and Bernie banging on the door and saying, let me in! And then Donald Trump was a bull, just like stomping about, and mm -hmm. then... When Bernie Sanders kept banging on the door, they just dumped buckets on his head. And they went, ah! and then they were like, Bernie, we'll let you in if you stop banging on the door. And he was like, all right, let me in and I'll stop fighting you. And then the ball just smashed through the doors and running around, smashing everything up. So when I saw Trump go in, I was like, well, look, the worst case scenario for the left is that Trump fumbles around for another four years. But it cripples the establishment and opens the door for a real insurgent leftist candidate. But they couldn't do it. I, I was like, as soon as you let in Joe Biden, they will fortify their defenses and mm -hmm. you will never, never break their their, their system uh, ever again. They did it literally in D.C. They're fortifying the Capitol with, yeah. with military. Yeah, well, they're still there. The National Guard isn't supposed to leave until like end of March. Well, until the end of the impeachment trial. trials that are happening right now, I remember uh, listening to NPR as, as I was driving today. They were treating it like it was their Super Bowl. They loved every moment. <laughs> They're calling it shot by shot. This is the same network, by the way, that was calling on CIA, CIA officials to explain to them how counterinsurgency should work against domestic wrong thinkers, uh, aka other Trump supporters. And they were arguing that you know the CIA guy was like, "We need to take down Trump," and 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 you see NPR with their coverage today hinting at that trying to push for that trying to spin as much information as they could uh just to push that larger perspective yeah, which i mean is, which is kind of crazy we haven't really talked about impeachment in this uh show. I'm not entirely yeah i know nobody's cares. really interested i mean <laughs> yeah. like i'm sure you've talked about it tirelessly before but obviously this is just an attempt to make sure that he never becomes a threat again but it's not even it's not it's listen so the argument trump's legal team is making is that impeachment is to remove and prevent from holding office again. Both, not mm -hmm. one. It doesn't say and or. And so that's their legal argument. Even if they do convict him, he can still run again and nothing will stop him. It won't. Are you sure? So there's there's the argument that if he's convicted, he uh, he can't run again. But the le Trump's legal team is making the argument that it has to remove him. And as a private citizen, I they see. have no authority to say he can't run again. So you, you can't get to B without A. Yeah. So that's their argument. So yeah. here, here's what I predict will happen. Doesn't it say somewhere in criminal statute that a anyone who destroys public record can't hold office? 
There was like a big thing about that. Mm, are you talking about like the White House logs or something like that? There, uh, there, if there, if there's like some law pertaining to destruction of public documents. Oh, you're talking about with his Twitter. No, 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 no. You mean like if the Secretary of State <laughs> it would be were like, to like destroy their emails or something. Like, yes, exactly. Like if the Secretary of State uh, uh, yeah, only had 30,000. Yeah, or, some, or someone else destroyed the Secretary of State. Technically, their, the Secretary of State behest. has never been found to have done it, course, I guess is the yeah. point. Right. When, when the email thing was happening, a lot of people were saying... Hillary Clinton. She, call, she told this company to wipe these servers, destroying public emails. Emails that should have been released to the public at, you know, from, due to her role in the Secretary of State. And thus, she would be disqualified from holding office. Nobody cared. The system doesn't work. Like this, you, this, it doesn't work that way. You know, you could have somebody literally break the law and, and come on. How many politicians actually go to jail for the crimes they commit? How many times have we heard stories about insider trading or other corrupt activities? And it's like, oh, well, Chris the rug. And 30, what, what, what about the senator who was accused of flying to, a, to another country to be with underage hookers? And the legal argument was, well, it wouldn't, wasn't illegal in that country and the U.S. has no jurisdiction anyway. Now, I'm not saying that it was definitively proven. He wasn't proven, on the platform, yeah. But it's like this guy got reelected. People in this country don't Who, who are care. you talking about? Who went? Who had, who had hooker over, hookers overseas? John F. Kennedy. There, no, there is a sitting U.S. senator who is accused of being with underage women of the night in another country. Do you know? Do you remember which country it was? I don't remember. I want to say Colombia. Was it Bahamas or something? No, I thought but it was it's legal there, so they didn't make a big. Well, deal that was it. one of the legal arguments. Apparently, that this never happened. But even if it did, <laughs> it's not illegal there, and you have no jurisdiction to confront him over it. It, it was it was it was Bob Menendez of New Jersey. Oh, that's right. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was never. Uh, <laughs> I want to make it clear. It was never definitively proven. There were accusations, right. but the idea, like nobody cares. You could literally. There are so many people who have uh, look. There are some people who have been you know uh, charged with crimes and they resign. Dominican Republic. Dominican yeah, Republic. Yeah. There you go. So my understanding is it was never proven. It was just yeah, no. accusations or whatever. Yeah. But the story is weird. Like these women said, like it happened, and then all of a sudden they like, like recanted their story in a very strange circumstance or something like that. I've got mixed feelings on the law and executing the law. Like I'm kind of I'm kind of chaotic. Like if if bad, I don't want to support bad laws, so I'm reticent to like get the law, get the police involved, get the law. I feel like we can work it out as humans without. Well, I mean, invoking think the law. about like the civil rights movement. That was all about. That was a movement built around trying to change bad laws. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I, th I think, I think it's a noble, I, I think like the, the works of like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Freedom Riders, like they were able to actually enact change through peaceful protests. Of course, there were some obviously who probably didn't think that was the, the mode to go down, but, um, I mean, the, the thing is, you're always going to have laws that are not good. Well, I mean, well, exactly, which makes me reticent to use the law to prosecute all these people. Like Tim's saying, no one really cares. Do people commit commit crimes, but because they're in positions of power, they're not executed? Not executed, but the laws, the laws, the punishment executed. is not executed. And, funny, funny metaphor. And that's there. and that's the the problem with like what late stage capitalism and the and the, the yeah. Idea come on, Ian. Laws of, are for poor people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just, and I'm kind of understand. I don't want to. Uh, use law to destroy someone it just makes me feel bad but there's there for a reason and the reason our society has survived as long as it has is because we adhere to our laws our self-agreed upon laws right kind of 
we're at the point now where it's just like a given that rich people can do what they want. You just buy but, your way out of jail. Well, at least bail. Well, it's not even that. It's like when when rich people do get convicted of crimes, it's usually a fine. They're like, yeah. you got to pay ten like million. IBM they go, will okay. do some horrible thing, and they got to pay a billion, a uh, hundred million dollars. And it's like they made three point six billion my, last year. So. My favorite ever sketch from Dave Chappelle was when he switched the roles of a, like a Wall Street banker being treated like a drug dealer through the criminal justice system and then <laughs> the drug dealer i.e. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle being treated like he was a, a Wall Street banker or a white collar criminal <laughs> and it was just like you know basically and my favorite bit was the, the the judge sentencing that Wall Street banker to you know life in prison and you'll have plenty of time to lift weights and convert to Islam <laughs> <laughs> Dave Chappelle is a genius, man. Yeah, but there, you know, look, there's it. There's a really interesting idea. Some countries will give people speeding tickets based on their income. It's a percentage, and not right. Germany does that. That's wow. an interesting concept because if you make a million dollars a year, you're like, I don't want to speed and pay a hundred thousand dollar fine, or you know, wow. it wouldn't be that high, but it'd be like ten grand or something. And then if you're poor, it's going to be like three or four bucks, mm-hmm. or something small, because it has to impact you. In the U.S., let me tell you something fascinating. Or I'll give you Chicago for example. I used to live in Lakeview, right by Wrigley Field. Love that area. And whenever there would be a Cubs game, every street would be cars parked, wrapping around in every possible space, blocking driveways. They did not care. The idea was you can't find parking in Lakeview for a Cubs game, and it's cheaper to pay 100 bucks for a ticket than it is to find a valet wow. or to find a parking garage. The ticket you got from the cops was just the ticket for parking. Wow. So it was like they factored in their budget. They didn't care. They're like they we, wouldn't tow. Mostly no, because there was too many cars. Wow. Yeah, I mean, how, if, it, how do you, if it's how, so that's civil disobedience, it, yeah, man. Yeah. It was just that, that's 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 the system now. It's like when everyone speeds, you can't pull everybody over. They might single somebody out. Wow. But people will come out and they'll see tickets everywhere and they'll be like, oh, "That's the cost it's of parking." The American spirit. Like if I was yeah. going to park in a garage, it'd be fifty bucks. Screw it, I'll pay seventy-five. I told yeah. you, uh, park uh, wherever uh, I want. I was, you know, that's why Chicago's the lawless place it is because people won't pay <laughs> for parking. <laughs> ah, Chicago's crooked, man. It's, it's bad. Yeah, no, I've, I've been to a lot of cities <laughs> in the United States, and I've been to a lot of places in the world. And Chicago they, is—they called it the windy city because of the politicians' blue hot air. Exactly, it was, like, it was all corruption and all lies. I wonder why Chicago of all places. I, you know, what's really funny. I once got into an argument with someone about Chicago being the windy city, and they're arguing with me that it was literally windy, and which I'm it like, is. Not really. Pretty like, okay. I don't know. It's not I mean, in the it's winter. Not, it's the wind tunnels between buildings. Yeah, kind Ooh, of. New York cool. has those too. It's yeah. just not really yeah, that it's windy. As windy as New York. It's it's it, it which is negligibly windy relative to most cities. And so they're like, it's the windy city because it's windy. I'm like, no, it isn't because all the politicians are corrupt. The last three governors went to prison. <laughs> That's it's for real. That's funny. And then they're like, no, it's because I'm like, don't even argue with me, man. This city is so corrupt. We had one incident where a meter maid gave a cop a parking ticket. So he grabbed her by the throat and slammed her up against what? the side of a building and screamed in her face. There were a bunch of off-duty cops who went to a bar and brutally, just mercilessly beat the bartender woman man. because she was and telling they them they say, had too many drinks. And they say chivalry is dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Chicago's got problems. It's like cold, so people are angry. Um, it's not New York, so it's not as centralized. You know, it's kind of the Wild West, or at least it, 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 it really it, it is. is. It is. West. You got gangs running around, and the cops are like ruthless because of the gangs. And I, I, I can understand why the cops are so, you know, uh, like just having nothing to do with it. But then you can't oppress someone's rights because you're mad. The gangs are overrunning certain parts of the city, and you got a bad beat. It just, it just becomes a dirty city, man. It's, I had it's, a great time in Chicago. I lived there for like four years. <laughs> it's fun. Absolutely it's, loved it. It's fun to go to the place I've ever lived. You know that Chicago still has dry areas, like neighborhoods, no, that I can't didn't. have alcohol from prohibition? Really? Yeah, that's crazy. Where? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I remember when I lived near um, 
Wicker Park. Yeah. There's one area not too far from there where there's no bars oh at all. Oh my god, that was nothing like my Chicago experience. No, Wicker Wicker Park <laughs> has Whoa, a ton of bars. A lot there. But but like maybe like a mile west, there was this area. It's like I don't know what the name of it was, but there were no bars, and so everybody would go to this one bar just outside of this area. The snake Room. What was it called? No, the snake Pit. No Did you ever go to Snake Pit? No, there's oh, there's good. more than Shout one. To the there's snake. too many bars. Yeah, Snake Pit was awesome. But I used to go to this pizza place called Big Tony's, and we would get Jardinera pizza, and that is oh, that is the best. Yeah, Chicago Jardinera pizza, man. People are probably listening to the show like. Jardinero, what does that mean? What is it? Jardinero? You've told me this before. It's, it's, it, it's not the deep dish, is it? It's this. No, no, no. It's That's gar- tourist That's pizza, man. Yeah. yeah, nobody eats that. That's garbage. No, we get square cut. And Jardinera is, it's celery, carrots, jalapeno, yeah. and I think cauliflower, and it's pickled. And they put it on the pizza. They That's bake it in. It. Yeah, they put it on like Italian beef sandwich. Soak it in vinegar and salt. Mm. Oh, yeah, all that good sugar. stuff, man. All that good stuff. Boil the bottle I'll tell you so one thing. Rust. I'll tell you one thing. Chicago may be dirty, but some of the best food you will ever eat. Chicago. You know, you know this. I, I, I grew up in Chicago and I tell you, they're, they're culturally lacking in a lot of ways. You want to be big in music? You can't be in Chicago. There's no scene. You want to be a skateboarder? There's no scene. You want to be in any kind of sports? There's no scene. But if you want to make good food, Chicago is the place. Cause we have the taste of Chicago on yeah. the, on the fourth, on the third and fourth of July. And Chicago's got food, man, for days. What all is the scene kinds. in Chicago? Politics? Food. It was like, like a, it was a lot of business. It felt like there was a good, there's nothing. Scene. There's nothing. It's a big city full of nothing. It's like a knockoff New York City. It is. It, no, it, I know, it but is. like New York actually has stuff. Had. had. Well, I, I call oh, it, I had stuff. I used to say Chicago is the suburb city of the major cities where it's like when you live in the big city, you're there. It's hip. There's clubs. You see all the celebrities. When you go out in the suburbs, it's like these little smaller clubs and people are like trying to emulate what the cities are like. Chicago is like that. All right. there, there, there are bands in Chicago nobody will ever heard of that are the biggest bands in the world to Chicagoans. Okay, so I, all right, there's a question I guess for all of you then. What city has it now? Well, it, I don't know, man. It, L.A. Uh, probably. I don't know. It's dying. It sounds like. But what city? L.A. I mean, I remove know, COVID down, from man. it. Remove COVID. L.A. Dude, it's hot. It's hot. Yeah. It's I awesome. mean, before COVID, it was New York for sure. Yeah. So are you saying that like New York had it because and then COVID wrecked it all? Uh, I think Bloomberg and Giuliani ruined it and all. Cuomo. And Cuomo. <laughs> yeah. What about and yeah. de Blasio just that place put, the, put the you know, finisher on there. But I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about outside of the United States. I'm thinking about places like uh, Puerto Vallarta. I'm thinking about places like Porto. Uh, I, I, I'm not thinking about anything in the United States. But mm. but comparatively, if I had to choose somewhere in the United States, I would have to pick uh, let's just say somewhere in Florida, Austin, maybe, uh, Texas, Austin is, is, is a big kind of, well, they got Elon, they got, yeah, but they got, because now people are, are flocking to Austin because of all these other places being bad, Mm. you're going to start seeing, you know, it's a big cultural hub now with a lot of people coming down there. Denver has that too. Uh, is it, is it Crowder close to Austin? Um, I don't know. He's in in Texas though. Yeah. I know that it's obviously the, the part of the, what call exit. Everyone's, a lot of them have been flow, uh, floating over to Denver too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, well, uh, how about we take super chats from the crowd? If you haven't already, smash the like button. Send in your super chats. We're going to start reading your comments. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, hit the notification button, and go to TimCast.com, become a member to tune into our members-only posts, which come up just after the show. But let's read what, what uh, what's going on here in this year's uh, super chat. So let's see here. I can't read the name of this person because YouTube has done this weird thing that is blocked. Whatever. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Curtis Maver says, Tim, did you hear about the water treatment plant that got hacked in Florida on Friday? Kind of runs into the story from 4 p.m. 
Yeah, did you guys hear about this? No. Water treatment bit. plant no, got no, hacked. They tried like it. they tried poisoning the water supply. What? Yeah, yeah, man. Who tried? Creepy stuff. Well, I don't know. Don't know. Bunch Some guy water. got arrested. I heard, but I haven't really? read into it. Yeah. Crazy. Where was this again? Florida. Florida. Wow. Yeah. God. Tweed Music says, "Hi, Tim and crew. A huge fan of the work you guys do, and I loved what you did in Sweden back in the day. Hold the line through an email if you ever need an insider in Scandinavia. Appreciate it." Cool. Pirate Tomsky says, "If France can stand up to this, then the UK, then the UK too. Next, USA." Critical race theory woke is definitely hate speech against groups of people. Identity is key, apparently. The far left will eat itself. P.S. Luke is awesome. Aww, you know, I'll, I'll, you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I agree. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, they say they're all about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that is the easiest way to debunk that. Is they will not include Trump supporters, right? It's just plain and simple. Yeah. So who are they inclusive towards? Right. Not everybody. China. That's the definition yeah, for sure. of cult. Well, it's it's not inclusive at all well, because they literally exclude lots of people. It's always been about ethnic, religious, or racial diversity, so long as the mental yep. state and line of thinking is the same. Yeah. So crazy. It's wild. I keep thinking about the Puritanism. I wonder if it's like modern Puritanism. Rather it, than calling it, it woke, I'm just going to call it Purita Puritanic. Yeah, no. See if they'll stop doing it. Yeah, no, I totally, I mean, like, it is in a, in a large, in a significant way about purifying people's thoughts. I mean, that the, the people have entertained re-education camps here in the United States, the Truth and Reconciliation yep. Committees, simply because. And you COVID know, camps. And, co and COVID yeah. camps, simply because they want to make sure those people disengage from the wrong thing. Yep. Purifying mind and body. So we got, yeah. uh, Gareth Green says, Sriraj means honorable king. Actually, it means light, but if you, uh, well, are, if you're a, fr it's a, it means light in Arabic, but if you're a friend of mine and you like to rip on me, it means lamp. Lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Not like a genie lamp, like an actual, like, house appliance. Well, he lamp. says Sriraj. Oh, no, it's S I R A J. No, no, but he, uh, is he saying, does Sriraj mean honorable king? A different word. Probably. Yeah, but oh, definitely. I mean, not, Raj. Not in the not not yeah. Raj means yeah. king, oh. and Sri maybe means maybe Sri Lanka. Is yeah. that like honorable? Probably, probably honorable land. Honorable yeah. land, but yeah, maybe no. yeah. That's yeah, about right. Yeah, we just made it up. There you go. It's true go. because Thank we said you. it on the internet. Uh, just call me Lamp. That's there you right. go, Lamp. Uh, Vexel says, Luke, is there any way you could ask YouTube to stop shadow banning your channel? Also, do you make your own crystal wraps or do you have a good vendor? I was actually thinking about making my own crystals because I sell a whole bunch of stuff. I sell like custom probiotics and VPNs, all the wild stuff. But uh, I'm going to get on that. And uh, yes, YouTube, uh, please stop shadow banning me. <laughs> please uh, bring me back into the partner. No, whatever. It's okay. Um, it's fine. But I thank you for your consideration and thanks for thinking I mean, about me. Look, you went after Eric Schmidt. So they're like, they're, yeah. la they're laughing right now at the yeah. Google HQ. Yeah. Like, it's never going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I understand. It's cool. Uh, I'll just keep peddling t-shirts. It's fine. It's Do you ever good. grow your own crystals? Uh, no, no, but uh, that's something interesting that I, that we might get into. Oh, I'm into it. Let's do it. All right. Emperor Guy Sarek says, America has gotten so proficient at destroying other countries, we don't even have to drop bombs or provide freedom fighters with weapons anymore. Yeah, there you go. France is going down. Gareth Green says, some kinds of feminism say that only men should wash dishes. I would like to protest uh, protest that religion is not a matter of blind faith or subjective emotion, by the way. Interesting. D-E-M-P-O-L says, look up where during the French Revolution, they put a they put a hooker on the altar and said, we now worship the goddess of reason. Huh. Chickens come home to roost. Did they really do that? 
It's a mess. I'd believe it. Really? No. Freedom Thought says there's a sale on French rifles. Never, fi- never fired and only dropped once. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers from Missouri. Also, Missouri just passed a bill that bans all federal gun laws. Really? Whoa. I got to look into that Missouri. Up, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Did they do that? Because that means you could have full auto, right? You could in build St. Louis? How's no, Missouri. Work? Yeah, but Missouri just passed a bill. Missouri, I wonder if that means in the city of St. Louis. Maybe it's like city by city now. Well, they probably got city ordinances. Interesting. But does that mean that the Constitution no longer protects? Well, the federal government will probably come in anyway, because that's what they did to California with marijuana. So we'll see. Gefdaf says, got my I am a gorilla shirt Saturday. I had ordered it two days before the misprint announcement, but no luck. Got a normal one. Still love it. But when is the tinfoil one for members only coming? We have to find a vendor that we can put up on the site. So, but we might put up the, it's the, the, the tinfoil hat one was meant to just go up for about one week. So we'll get it soon. I could probably just put it up. Um, I don't know. Maybe Thursday. Is that the day? Because then everyone gets paid Friday or whatever. And then you have yeah. a week and then we'll put it up for just over a week. So then take it down like the following Monday. So everyone has a chance to get the, the special tinfoil hat edition. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Brandon R says, re French surrender jokes. I used to agree. But listen to Dan Carlin's World War One podcast miniseries, Blueprint for Armageddon, and see why the French avoid fights. That's like I don't a, make that's those jokes anymore. That's a very good podcast series. Oh. Well, but what, is the call, what was it? I want to watch. I want to listen to it. Hardcore history. But what was yes. the episode Blueprint called? for Armageddon. Blue, Blueprint. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that. Wow. So I think it's fair to point out, I think France has like one of the best war records of any European nation or like country in the world for the most part. And it's just because of World War II, we right. mock them for surrendering. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, you know, the French Empire was massive. They, they, look at Napoleon. Napoleon I mean, surrendered, too. When you look at the way they fight and protest, I mean, I, I haven't yeah, they're seen nuts, man. such ferocity, such such spirit and fight uh, anywhere, to be honest Dude, with you. look up Vercingetorix. He fought against Julius <laughs> Caesar and was one of the greatest unifiers of Francia, of Gaul at the time. And, and the yeah. Romans wanted to like, stamp that guy's name out because he was such we, a great... We laugh at the French, but they're fighters. Well, they are. They are yeah. like some of the most brutal protests you'll ever see, man. Gareth Green says, if someone tried to plow my driveway without asking permission, I'd be angry about them, whoever they were. People who are nice to me against my will really make me angry. Well, there you go. Hunter Lacey says, been a fan for a while. Love these daily live streams. Would like to see some 2A related content or maybe a video of you guys at the range. Thanks for everything your guys do. Well, uh, maybe this Saturday... When we go to the range, maybe we can film it. Because we filmed a little bit last time. I just put up some Instagram videos. But maybe we'll actually film some stuff. There's a guy that wants us to ride in tanks. So uh, I got to email him back. That would be really fun to do. But if you guys have any uh, fun, uh, you know, adventurous things, uh, definitely email us. Let us know. I'm down for weekend adventures. Yeah. I think we should uh, we should film at the range for, for real. Eve Welcome says, Tim, I survived a cult. The behavior of the journalist isn't cult-like. It's straight up cult friendship outside the cult is forbidden i see it from the left and right and it's frightening i i definitely but i i don't know if you guys would agree but it seems like the rights element of it are much smaller and more diminished than the than the left right like the left is mainstream media it's massive cultural institutions and the right it's like fringe internet communities mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's for sure mm-hmm. seems like it anyway all right let's see what we got here the Bros Durham says, I'm still waiting on the dopamine payoff from playing Escape from Tarkov. Oh, that game's hardcore. <laughs> what is it? It's like a FPS, but it's like super realistic. And you get dropped into this area called Tarkov and you're up against other players and bots mm. and you just fight your way to the exit. Oh, cool. 
you like earn credits. I'm currently back. working on Demon Souls, the PlayStation Five Dude, remake. Adam loves that game. It's it's it it's is a classic, isn't it? Yeah, they yeah, remade it. Yeah. Oh, you should get that for PS Five. That yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it might be multiplayer. I it? feel basic. Actually, yeah, it is. I like, <laughs> I like Call of Duty and Apex. No, Call Legends. of Duty is great too. The yeah. Cold War. I like Yo, Cold War. Yeah, we got Cold War. I got, play. I play Skater XL. Okay, you guys know. You sure that. do. <laughs> yeah. You were dropping off the roof yesterday. Yeah, Skater XL is fun. It's it's a really good skate skate basically. I figured out drop like forty feet and land and be skate. No, no, no. I jumped off a building onto a handrail. That was hilarious. Three sixty flip, fifty fifty off of like a four story building. All right, let's see. VP says, how many Reza Aslan tweets has Siraj flagged? <gasps> a lot, probably, right? Reza Aslan. You know, there have been... Uh, I think the last <laughs> one I did was uh, RBG, when he was saying that they were going to riot in the streets oh, yeah. Yeah. if they replaced RBG seat or filled the RBG seat with uh, Amy Coney Barrett. And I was like, that's... I think I think he had... The, the specific wording was like that they would burn the ish down. Yes. You know, that's what I, I got him on the list for that. That was you know, the last thing. You know, it's funny is like, it's not a, it's, 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 you're just responding to people like wagging your finger basically, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I hit them with the list meme, of course. But, but, but what I mean is like, they, their response should be to like, okay, okay. And laugh about it. You oh yeah. I mean? No, but they, they don't freak ha- out. There's some who handle it really well. You know who actually really handle it really well? Aaron Rupart from Vox. Oh really? He actually handled it really well. Um, what, did and he, then, what did he say? I, I think he like, you know, laughed. You know, yeah, LMAO, that kind of thing. But then it, he unfollowed me when he was, when I put him on the list after he was politicizing Congressman-elect Luke Letlow's death, who died, oh, he died oh, from right, COVID. Right, right. Yeah. That's when I lost him. <laughs> and, uh, You're on the list. Also, and another guy who's on Twitter, Max Kennerly, he had like a very like ghoulish post about Luke Letlow's death. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, it's just unnecessary. And people just tweet because they can't, they don't think beforehand and they end up beforehand. Just, maybe they just don't think. Well, they don't, yeah, they don't think at all. But it's just, um, it, it, it gets to the point where I have to now, not whitewash, but like almost sanitize the list because it's once something is no longer unique and it becomes a narrative, yeah. you can't just go after one particular person. Oh, you have to point. then go after the idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I B Profen Nope says, Luke, I got my Orwell shirt today. Love it. Thank you guys and girl for the news. Nice. Thanks for wearing it. No problemo. I love mine. Jordan D says, when are you all going to do DMT and commune with interdimensional beings? March. ian's planned this one out i'm ready uh let's see brandon hoover says former la resident now in central pa i'm happy to have discovered this show and jimmy Dore during covid it's a thinking person's show and i listen nightly while i tie uh, while while i tie while time flies i see what it says it says while i tie flies i think he's tying flies for fishing yeah oh actually yeah Yeah. that's what's what you're doing fly fishing huh cheers to all of you yeah jimmy's awesome Jimmy Dore's great. Oh, they hate him because he's legit. He's a real anti-establishment populist leftist. And that means he calls it out when they when they play dirty games. He'd be one of those dudes in the 60s that would have been standing up with a megaphone in front of crowds at Washington Monument, like screaming about like the war and the war. Mm-hmm. But now it's like the modern version of that is we have the Internet video. Yeah, uh, I haven't wa- I haven't followed Jimmy Dore closely, but I know how anti-establishment he is. That's just like his reputation precedes him. Yeah, I think uh, 
Jimmy's great. I think Kyle Kalinske's cool dude. Uh, I think he's, he's pretty rad. I like Crystal Ball. They're, you know, I think they're, they, they all deserve their criticism when they deserve it. I think I do as well. I just, my, my thing is like, I don't care what your political opinions are when it comes to, you know, healthcare or economics or policy, socialist, capitalist, communist, so long as you don't believe in oppressing other people through violence and coercion and force and you're honest. And Non-aggression you, and, principle. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Like I, I tell the story all the time where I shook the hand of this communist guy wearing a sickle and hammer flag because he denounced Antifa straight up when I asked him. I was like, these guys go around, they claim to be either anarchists or communists, and they beat people. And he's like, that's wrong. They shouldn't do that. And I was like, but they say they're communists. And he's like, yeah, well, they have no idea what they're talking about. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I was like, here, here, brother. I don't care if you're a communist, so long as you agree that we talk things out, we, we, we don't aggress against each other. If you want communism, by all means, argue all day and night for it. And if you convince people, then my ideas have lost. Well, that's, that's. And that's where, that's where things have changed is that people, it used to be that you try to persuade others that your ideas are the best ideas. Now it's come to the point where you're not convincing other people, you're coercing them. You're beating the crap out of them. You're, you know, you know, trashing their entire store, burning cities to try to prove your ideas are better than the other side. That's just not how it works. No, this yeah. guy, this guy in Berkeley, this commie guy, he was a unicorn. It was like the, only, the one time I've ever met a leftist who was like, you shouldn't be able to use violence against people that defies the idea of what communism is supposed to be. And the funny thing is, he's right. If we're talking about a truly stateless system where everyone's cooperating and working together and no one's above anyone else, you shouldn't be able to go around just beating random people. So the people who do that do not actually believe in what they claim to, to, to preach about. They're not talking about some kind of Star Trek future. They're just talking about beating you until they have the power over you. That's not any kind of ideology other than authoritarianism. Yeah, and you should be able to communicate with all ideologies. Anyone that's like a communist isn't doesn't necessarily going to always be a communist. If you have a good conversation with someone, their political beliefs can change. Yeah. All right. We got brokages. Uh, no, oh, okay. I'm sorry. It says, wow. Brokages over Hokages. You see, if I read the last word, I would have understood that. He says, hey, Tim, I'm from San Diego, from San Diego. And the reason I left the Republican Party is because they do not represent my values. Trump did. Very interesting. Matthew Velasquez says, gorilla says fleeing the GOP. I want by silver now. Image JPEG says, I left the GOP because of what they did to Trump, not a rejection of Trumpism. Also, BCH to the moon, book re- recommendation on, uh, book, book recommendation, the Bitcoin standard. Mark Jensen says, I live in Colorado. When the vote to legalize weed was on the ballot, I voted against it. I knew that legalizing it would bring a bunch of Californians here and make our state even bluer. Sure did. I mean, that's tough, man, because I think it should be legal. You know? What happened? When, Lydia, were you there when they legalized yeah, it? Yeah, I was. So what? I actually voted against it. And one of the things that I noticed was that people from California came. And a lot of them, when they weren't able to find these jobs that were actually still pretty rare, they would become homeless. They were just kind of like vagrants. They oh. would hang around. At least that was my impression because I would drive past a bunch of them on my way to work and everything. So, Oh, nice. man. We, we, we got a, a pretty strong rebuke of you, Ian. Okay. Uh, should I read it? Um, we're going to read it. We're going to read it. Read it online. Yeah, here we go. Drew Richmond says, Ian needs to play some Super Mario Brothers. Mushrooms encourage violence, not prevent it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mario was already violent, wasn't he? He, he eats mushrooms, punches bricks, and then jumps and just and makes him more turtles. resilient. Yeah. He can take yeah. hits when he's big. There's a really funny uh, uh, web cartoon of Mario eating a mushroom and then like, tripping out and then jumping on a turtle and splattering it and like like just like punching bricks he could punch bricks but once he ate mushrooms he could smash them (laughs) that's true he couldn't break them until he ate the shrooms that's funny that game's ridiculous man 
The Grizzly says, you guys going to talk about the Russian convoy that sideswiped a U.S. vehicle causing injuries, injuries to U.S. soldiers? It's kind of exploding all over. I didn't hear that. Did you guys hear that? I heard that a couple of months ago, but not now. Not recently. Interesting. David Merwin says, you all would be awesome higher leadership in the Libertarian Party and be the change that inspires you. Yeah, the problem is the Libertarian Party is too libertarian. What if we just started a party? You guys think we could? The pizza party. Pizza the pizza party. The pool party. The pool party. The pool party. It would point big uh, targets on us, which is annoying. Like if we were really speaking to the world and trying to, you know, changing policy and the pool and party economy, pool everyone party. would be like trying to hack our shit, our stuff, um, our phones. <laughs> like annoying. We don't have a ship, our, our taxes and like looking for every little hole. And constantly harassing us, that's the annoying part. Like, but if we just build the system that, that's better, then maybe we don't have to be like targets. I don't know, man. Politics is a dirty game. I don't want to be involved you, in that stuff. Yeah, you almost don't. I'm, in, I'm involved you too always, much as it is. It's almost never a case where you're like never a target if you try to start up a new party. You're a threat to the system. You're, you're, you're threatening other people's power. They're going to do everything they can to make sure you don't get it. So... I mean, that's why they took, that's why the, that's why the establishment's focus on Trump was so intense is because he represented this immense threat to their power. Yeah. And whether people liked or hated him, you know, he represented something that was much bigger. And he tried to bring people back to this idea that we're a United States of America. We're a sovereign nation. We don't sell out to, you know, foreign interests like the Chinese Communist Party or these international trade deals or, or, or these international global pacts. We decide our future. And people just, particularly people who are invested in those particular uh, pacts or deals, they don't want it. Vosh had a really funny tweet about uh, Trump earlier. He said, why are we wait something like I'll paraphrase? Why are we wasting time with this impeachment? Just throw Trump in, in, in into a lake, and if he sinks, he's guilty. We figured this out ages ago, <laughs> and it was good. I laughed, but I responded, "If Trump floats, that means he weighs the same as a duck. If he weighs the same as a duck, it means he's made of wood. And if he's made of wood, he's a witch." <laughs> you guys get the reference. Yeah. Yeah. That's Monty Python. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. <laughs> it weighs the same as a duck. <laughs> the, uh, Those guys Salem are witchcraft great. Trials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was some awesome stuff. Actually, one of the I think it was Eric Idle blocked me because I put him on the list. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking about that. <laughs> I love the, the, I think it's John Cleese, where he's like, if you want to be a right-wing extremist, you just got to choose. If you want to be an extremist, just choose which groups you hate, and then you'll figure out if you're left or right. And the funny thing is when he goes through the list of who the right hates, he ends with, and of course, moderates. <laughs> and if you want to be on the left, and then he names all the people the left hates, and he goes, and of course, as well, moderates. <laughs> like, they just hate everybody. All right, we got this uh, this massive super chat from Lanius Shrike, who says, people who have never been in a fist fight before are aggressively shutting down open discourse and any chance for negotiation. Why? Because they don't understand what leads up to a fight, how to avoid a fight, or how to fight a fight. They have zero life experience. They are a sad blend of pompous hubris, naivety, and outright insanity. That's a good take. I absolutely agree. Uh-huh. Good point. The people who have been in fights are like, I don't want to get into a fight, dude. It's funny. When you look at wild animals, people are scared of bears and mountain lions. Bro, bears and mountain lions know not to get into a fight. It's a huge risk. It's not worth it. Life is better than that. You think about I'll, I'll tell you a story, man. When I was a little kid, there was... A, I, I, I'll have to keep this one very, very vague for potential legal issues, but there was... There was a place where some guys were working and then an office party. And one of the guys started hitting on the other guy's wife. 
So then the dude, let's call let's say guy A is married and guy B is hitting on guy A's wife. So guy A starts saying, knock it off, get away from my wife. So guy B, being a tough guy, swings at guy, you know, or so guy A, I think, you know, pushes him, gets away from my wife. Guy B escalates the fight, punches guy A in the head, who falls back, hits his head on the table, dies instantly. Guy B goes to prison. Over over what? Yeah. He said some dumb words to some lady. He could have just... Violence is crazy. You know, but but ultimately, like, the, the murderer was Guy B who went to prison. But Guy A didn't need to, to, to push him, and then Guy B escalated it. So sometimes, you know, it can go back and forth. But sometimes the important thing is just walk away. Yeah, like, take it somewhere you, else. if you fight someone and you both get hurt, what, who's the victor? It doesn't make... I mean, I guess there's a time and a place for combat, but fights does not solve problems for the most sometimes part. Sometimes you have to. You know, fights happen. Sometimes there's a desperate animal, right? Is it bears and, and mountain lions might, might not want to attack you? If they're starving, they will. They will. And then you got to fight back. You got to defend yourself, you know? So it's, it's, it's difficult here. But I guess the idea with that guy was that he was picking a fight and provoking by t- going after the guy's wife. And then he was the one who threw the punch that. Yep. Wow. Sage Meek says, Tim the Gang, have you watched the interview with Yuri Bezmanov, the ex-KGB agent on the topic of ideological subversion? What are your thoughts? How far along do you think we are? We have all definitely seen it many, many times. And I don't know how far, far along we are. Maybe we're past the, the event horizon. I keep forgetting to to ask G. Edward Griffin to come on. He's the guy who interviewed uh, the KGB agent. But uh, he was very telling. There's a, there's a reason that video has gone viral. So I think we're in touch with, with Edward. Uh, I put you in touch, Lydia, with his mail, his uh, marketing manager or okay, something. Okay, very cool. Yeah, we'll look it up. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it He's in greater detail in a later show, I suppose. Storeman says, Tim, love the show, and Luke and Ian are awesome. But did you see that the Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County may soon face arrest as Arizona Senate fast-tracks their contempt vote? No, I didn't see that. That's crazy. Monty is bad at gaming says, let's hear something less stressful. How about that WandaVision show? Okay, I got a lot. I got a lot to say about WandaVision. I haven't seen it. The first, here's my advice Anyone? to you. If you, if you. if you haven't seen it, skip episodes one, two, and three. Whoa. Huge waste of time. Has nothing to do with anything. My mind was blown at how bad the show was. Wow. I watched the first episode and I thought it was going to be a five minute gag of them pretending to do a 50 sitcom. It's literally like 40 minutes or whatever of a fake 50 sitcom. And that's, oh, okay, maybe that was just the first episode. Second episode, I was like, what is this? Third episode, I was like, are you kidding me? Honestly, I, didn't even watch I, w- I, w- I thought you were saying Juan, as in the name Juan Division. <laughs> huh? Juan like, Division. Like it's, like, like it's a like, special. Like Mexican Joy <laughs> Division. Like, like a Mexican, uh, like a, a Hispanic FBI that's division. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's All right, so here, here's what I want to say, though. Here's what I want to say. It's, if you, if Juan, Wanda... Vision, yeah, characters. Wanda, the, Wanda. Yeah. If you want to watch a show, just start from episode four. Oh, Vision, that's Vision. Yeah, vision. Yes, yeah. he's got the red face though, instead of the pure silver white Vision. What do you mean? Like in the comics, Vision was white for a long time. The, the yeah. first Vision was the red, original though. one was right. red. Yeah, yeah. except the, oh, it was different just Vision. Start with episode four, and the show is great. Really it's fun. So in episode four, they basically explain the first three episodes and why they wasted your time. And I'm like, why would they do that other than just fill episodes and claim they have more episodes than they need? So it wasn't like any character development in those None. first three episodes? Are there different writers? None. I have no idea. I wonder if the writers so it's got like, fired. It's like you watch the first episode and it's it's supposed to be a, a gimmick of, I don't know, I, I Bewitched. Like Pleasantville or something like, like no, that. No, like Bewitched. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the writers were like, oh, the show's and... tanking. We got to change the premise. So they started. No, well, but they, they had they, this they already. Made, they yeah. go. 
yeah. the, uh, the whole season though, or yeah, are they, they writing have the every whole week? season it's already filmed? Like, it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this: whenever they oh, do oh. the hokey, so so even like episode four, it's the real world now. They're explaining what's going on, and it's a really fun show. Episode five is a mix. I just fast forward through anything where they're pretending to do a. I don't normally want you to spoil stuff, but I'm going to ask you later to tell me more about that. My advice to you is fast forward through it when Wanda, when the show is a fake, fake TV show because it's a waste of your time. And then as soon as you see the real show with the FBI agents and the sword agents to actually watch it, that's interesting. Yeah. So I I, now like Tim, you've made me want to watch the first three episodes because I I want to know. No, no, trust me. You'll watch five minutes and turn it off. You'll, 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 you really will. I think I'll so trust through. me, this poop is stinky. <laughs> it's stinky. You're, we, gonna, we, we you're not going to want to smell it. People just got up and walked out of the room. They're like, what, what is this? <laughs> do, you, do you like the show Bewitched? I haven't I seen it. it since I was a kid. The but you know what Darren. it is, right? Yeah. What, d- the, what, the second Darren, yeah. The, the, the second Darren. The first Darren got fired or something. Yeah. I liked yeah. Why did he get fired? Oh, I don't know the history of it. Anyway, no, look. Okay. Bewitched was a fun show, okay? But would you, would you watch Knockoff Bewitched? I just watch Bewitched. I wouldn't. I just watch Bewitched. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch this. It's stupid. It's really it? bad too. Does he shoot lasers out of his eyes? Don't don't spoil it for me. <laughs> That's <laughs> really bad. The, the the actual story is interesting, but they like, dude. Out of let's see, you've got what like thirty five to forty minutes for each episode, so you got five episodes. Out of all of that time, there's only about an actual fifty minutes of content. Wow. Out of you know three three hours and. 20 minutes? Yeah. There's only about 50 minutes. It's actual content. The rest is just like Uh-oh. you're watching. A, a, imagine if you watched a YouTube video that was spoofing Bewitched. On YouTube, it would be three minutes long and you'd laugh at the jokes. Imagine if they made it for 40 minutes. You'd be like, okay, dude, I get it. It's Bewitched. Interesting. Anyway. Is I, I it more than five episodes? Right now it's five. I think six is coming out soon. But there, there's important MCU developments happening in the show. Oh. So I just fast forward through when they pretend to be a TV show. Because it's the stupidest, wow. most mind-numbing garbage I've ever watched. But the actual story is interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Will Billy the Hillbilly says, to answer your question why Dems are moving to towns and red areas, city slickers want to, to move, live country and rustic, but don't want to live far from stores, restaurants, and repairmen. They don't want the responsibility of living in the real country. Yep. That's true. Chopping wood and starting fires. Now nah, they need the internet, right? All right, let's see. We had a big jump. We'll take a we'll take a few more of these here. We got silently in Atlanta says Georgia underestimated impact of becoming the Hollywood of the South. Many brought their blue view with them. Ossoff commercials touted him as a filmmaker with Dr. Wife. Reduced tax breaks. New saying TMT Tom McDonald topic. Is that what, because you want Tom uh, McDonald on the show? Yeah. That'd be funny. He's cool, dude. Georgia, yeah, someday. Paul Balick says, doubling down on my last super chat, free apparel pitch for wearechange.org. One, face mask with print of dog muzzle. Two, face mask made to look like a bra with the phrase, free the lip. Ah, we, we do have some face masks. <laughs> the dog muzzle say, one is good. That say, uh, NP- one has a picture of the NPC lips. One says censored. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different ones available for you guys. Abe X- Xdean says, hey, Siraj, it's weird watching you without Yasher taking over the chat. <laughs> why does he do that because on my uh habibi bros habibi power hour that's uh 10 p.m on wednesday nights on youtube uh yashar pops in yashar pops in yashar. and and trolls me and jet oh, so Great. he's a cool dude yeah people seem to really like that guy really like yashar he's he's a connected dude he knows uh he knows a lot of people is that he's the co-host 
No, 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 no he's a journalist. No, no. He's but he's, a, he's one of the few journalists where conservatives and liberals are like, they think he's all right. right. Oh, cool. You Maybe know? we can have him on the show someday. Yeah. He's all the way out in Cali. Yeah. So. I mean, we, we fly people out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. Trayton Nevin says, been watching your show for years now. Time I pay for this free content. Keep it the good work. Hey, really yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Man. But the better thing you can do is go to TimCast.com and become a member. That way, if we ever get banned, we have a place where our content will exist. And we're producing exclusive podcast segments and episodes for members only. So that does remind me, you can pay four ninety nine a month to this channel on YouTube to become like a channel member that gives you like special color emotes in the chat. But it doesn't doesn't give you any no. website. So just probably you haven't done this, but just in case, make sure if you subscribed on YouTube, that's they're not different. the website. They're yes, different. They're different. Yeah, timcast.com. I think that's what people were confused about. All right, let's see what we got here. Gizzy Max says there's an oil spill in the Bay Area. There was a there was a, a five gallon leak every minute. Can't check more on it at work. Interesting. We'll look into Jeez. that. Kristen Larson, Ian, did you have any luck in love or did you fail? I had much luck in love. Actually, I was uh, I spent like seven years with one girl, and um, then I was single for a while. Then did another girl for four years, and uh, I I toyed with 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 roping in and like settling down. And I don't know. I kind of sometimes I have regrets, but I try to live without them. Like. Part of me is like, I should have just married her, man, and had the, had the kids and lived that life because she'd just be here with me right now. But I, maybe I wouldn't be here right now if I did do that. You're gonna get you're gonna get visited by um, what's the guy's name? Marley. Yeah, he's gonna be like, look at what you made. Ian, <laughs> it's your old business yeah. partner video from games your from your head shop. <laughs> this is not Fallout. Where did you put the blunt? <laughs> aren't you here to weed. tell me? Yeah, aren't you here to tell me about fixing my life? What? No, I just can't find the weed. <laughs> he's stoned. He's like sitting in the room, and you're like, you have a message. What? what? <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We do the show live Monday to Friday at 8 p.m. We will be back tomorrow night, of course. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Minds at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast, YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe to this channel if you're listening on the podcast. Leave us a good review. It really, really does help. Go to TimCast.com. We will have a bonus segment for you coming up in just a moment later tonight after we record it. And uh, Siraj, you, you want to mention your, your social media or anything like that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Siraj A. Hashmi, if you can spell it. There you go. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> it took me like no three, three times. <laughs> it's just look up S I R A J. It's me on Twitter. Of course, you can find us on uh, YouTube by finding obviously that name as well. Um, and then uh, if you want to check out the list, I'm on Patreon. Um, Suraj Hashmi is the name again. It's just look up the look up the, the the name on Twitter. All of it is in the bio. You don't have to worry. Boom. There you go. I personally am taking full advantage of the 24-hour delete feature on Instagram. And if you want to see my questionable content, you can on Luke We Are Change. Also, the shirt I'm wearing right now, uh, I made after I was inspired by the GameStop uh, Rebellion. Well, let's, let me read and, it. It, and says, it says, banker, noun, ruthless scumbag who will eat your lunch and then charge you for it. Yes. And if you wish to get this shirt, you can on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate your yeah, time here. And you can follow me, Dean Crossland, uh, on the internet at Twitter, where I'm very proactive and like to interact at Minds, which I was a co-founder of. You can f subscribe to me on YouTube and uh, follow me on twitch.tv slash Ian Crossland, where I do daily, not daily, necessarily streams, but stream frequently. Oh, yeah, Twitch, too. We should it's Twitch. A good, it's a yeah, good yeah, game. Let's, let's yeah, what, do you, what do you play? Uh, right now, I, I did say Demon Souls at Ducod. Um, I'm yeah, going to get, I'm, I'm, I just started Ghost of Tsushima. I call it Ghost of Hashima. 
like my last oh, name. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, and do me a favor. Well, do this for yourself. When this ends, leave a comment. When the stream's over, go down there and leave something funny. Leave something interesting. Correct, yeah. Let us know what you're thinking. Say one good thing about Antifa. Be positive. That's right. Everybody should say one good thing about the person. That's like a therapy thing, right? I like how they dress. Stylish hoodies. Yeah, they they knew COVID was happening before everyone else. Right, right, right. Trendsetters. All right. Oh. oh yeah, and me, Sour Patch Lids. I'm on Twitter at Sour Patch Lids. I'm on Minds at Sour Patch Lids. I'm on Instagram and Gab at Real Sour Patch Lids. It is a little different. Other people stole my username, so weak. Yeah, I know. Thank you all so much for hanging out. We will have a bonus segment for you coming up at TimCast.com. Members only. Sign up, and we will see you all then.